All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corinne Votney, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with special guest host, Benjamin Carlson, who is back on He's Done It, this time to help us continue along with our 2022 NFL season preview series as we shift focus to the AFC West and the NFC West. All four teams in the AFC West head into the 2022 season believing that they are among the best of the best, not just in that division, but in the entire conference. Somebody's got to come in fourth place. So we'll debate which team that enters this year with lofty expectations is most likely to fail to meet those and miss the playoffs entirely. On the NFC West side, the Los Angeles Rams enter the season as defending Super Bowl champions. We'll talk about some of the biggest factors that are likely to prevent them from going back to back. We'll also talk about the 49ers transitioning from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance at quarterback and what their expectations should be entering the season. We'll also talk about our feelings on the Cardinals following a tumultuous offseason that followed another collapse at the end of the 2021 season. We'll talk about the Seattle Seahawks and our expectations for them entering the first year of the post-Russell Wilson era. We'll also talk about some new additions to both divisions that we believe can have big impacts on how things play out this year. We'll give bold predictions for both divisions. And finally, we'll conclude this episode by answering five questions related to our guest Benjamin's recent trip to Europe. So with that, let's get started. So you jet lagged at all or just like generally exhausted from all your traveling? A little bit. Yeah, it, it's not as bad coming back because the flight, the first flight was to Greece, which was across uh, seven time zones. And then I slowly came back. I can't like Sweden was one more time zone towards us. And then London was one more time zone again towards the States. So you know, going from Greenwich mean time to Eastern time is a little bit easier than going from Eastern time to whatever Greece's time zone is. Yeah. So, so five hours instead of seven. So. Yes. But yeah, okay. I'm a little bit like, um, I went to bed pretty early last night, uh, mm-hmm. and still, and I woke up super early and I'm getting ready to do more traveling. So I, I'm just going to deal with it. I just try <laughs> to force myself to sleep when it's dark outside. Yeah. Yeah, and I I will say, it, just from talking to you before we turn the microphones on, it, it seems like you're very lively. I think more just excited about everything you're doing and to talk about all that stuff. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy travel plans right now to come on He's Done It and uh, help us talk about football. Yeah, <laughs> because, I'm never yeah, too busy I, to help out my guys at yeah. He's Done It. I appreciate that. I know Brian and I were kind of in a panic when we found out that uh, you'd be gone and might not be able to help us. Like, who do we have on for the the, the West divisions? But uh, <laughs> you, you came through anyway. So 
um, I guess with that, we can kind of jump into this. So we'll we'll get started with the AFC West. And going back to March, in our He's Done It group text with the three of us, we've had lots of, uh, oh, I'm so excited for the AFC West this year. I'm so excited for the AFC West this year. That's because there are so many huge moves that happen. Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. The Chargers went out and added a ton of guys to their defense. The Raiders traded for Devontae Adams. And, of course, the Chiefs. Four straight trips to the AFC Championship game, six straight division titles. This is a loaded division. And all that being said, while it's technically possible for all four of these teams to make the playoffs, it seems highly unlikely. The AFC is a pretty good conference, and they got to play each other six times during the season. So there's a good chance that somebody is going to at least get the short end of the stick here. So between those four teams, who is most likely to finish in last place in this division and in turn, most likely to miss the playoffs. Well, before I get to my answer, I agree, Corey, that all four of these teams are, I think I like all four of them coming into this season. I I can't help it. Uh, This is going to be a really fun division to watch. I think it's the best division I've seen in my lifetime. I was Uh, trying to think of like when the last time a division looked this good. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Nobody stands out. I, I, yeah, all all four of these teams have a, a real shot at not just making the playoffs, but I, I think all four even have some shot at winning the, the division. But I will say if I have to pick one that is most likely to finish last in this division, I will go with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I, I do like how their offseason went, though, because they picked up... Devontae Adams, number one wide receiver for sure on their team. And not only that, but he's reuniting with Derek Carr from their college days at Fresno State. And you're adding him to an offense alongside Darren Waller, a top five tight end, and a great slot receiver in Hunter Renfro, and a decent okay running back in Josh Jacobs. So they got some good offensive weapons, and they also added Chandler Jones, to their defensive line and him and Max Crosby really make for a good duo uh, pass rush. And then they also added a new coach in Josh McDaniels. And he, yes, he did fail in Denver in his first time as a head coach, but I'd like to think that his experience, not only failing in Denver, but also being a great offensive coordinator for New England for all these years will really help uh, will really help him his second time around as a head coach and with the with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think he's someone that, because of how good of an offensive-minded coach he is, he can help Derek Carr become a better quarterback. And I'm. <laughs> what's funny is that I'm listing all good things I like about the Raiders when I'm supposed to talk about why <laughs> uh, I'm down on them. And uh, first reason is because straight up, I just like the other three teams uh, a lot more. And I also think there are some weaknesses to the Vegas Raiders roster uh their offensive line is they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league now and I think the combination of that with Derek Carr being a little turnover prone when it comes to fumbling the football I think that doesn't make for a great combination and they also have a vulnerable secondary and you can't have a vulnerable secondary when you're in a division that has Patrick Mahomes Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson that is not going to cut it and Corey, I mentioned in the South, uh, AFC South, when we talked about that and the Colts, I, I talked about how the Colts were really unlucky in one score games. 
and had a high point differential. It was the opposite with the Vegas Raiders last year. They were two and seven, or excuse me, seven and two in one score games last year, and they had a minus sixty-five point differential. Wow. So that shows you that even though the Raiders came through in a lot of games, they were also pretty fortunate uh, to be in the position. But all credit to them for everything that happened last year, all the turmoil that they went through to make it to the playoffs. But I, if I had to pick one of these teams to most likely be out or most likely finish last, I will go with the Raiders. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Brian. It is for the exact same reason. It's, it's not that I don't believe in the Raiders. It's that I just believe in them the least out of these four teams. And uh, I mean, it's you love to see uh, Chandler Jones across from Max Crosby. It feels like that could be uh, you know, a very potent pass rush, but I don't really know how to feel about the rest of this defense and uh, they're going to be going up against, you know, six games. They're going to be going up against some really good offenses at the very least, uh, just within their own division. So it's it's a, a tall order um, if, you know, you've got you've got these great pass rushers, but I'm not sure what else. Um, and also, you know, I'm a David Carr believer. I, you know, I'm a uh, or Derek Carr Derek believer. Carr. <laughs> uh, I, you know, his brother was good, too. Uh, not really. But it, it's some he's just the one I believe in the least uh, out of this uh, group of quarterbacks as well. So it's it's a tough it's tough to be a Las Vegas Raiders fan because it should have been it should be a year where you're really hopeful and you know anything could still happen but it sucks that it's like oh all my division rivals are also like headed in a really good direction at the exact same time so it's that's unfortunate i I do i do feel bad a little a little bit for Derek carr because unlike some people i i am a Derek carr fan i probably have overrated him through the years but i i am a fan of the guy and i think he throws a great ball and i think he's a really underrated leader and he also uh, uh, got called out by Tom Brady because he, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but Gronk told a story about uh, well, Dana White how told him and Brady story. almost went to the Vegas Raiders. And if you remember from Brady from the shop, he talked about a team he almost went to, then all of a sudden wasn't interested. And he said, you're sticking with that mother effort. And I think it's pretty confirmed now that that guy was that Derek guy was Carr. Derek Carr. So oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. because yeah. and this may have just been in the Niners like echo chamber, but it, everybody was saying that that was the 49ers and then and that mm-hmm. mother effort and was Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, which, yeah, which made a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that was who a lot it. of people That's thought. That's confirmed, not it. Well. Well, a month ago, I shouldn't say confirmed, but it's it looks like a month it ago was, everyone said it was Ryan Fitzpatrick when the whole like Dolphins rumors came out. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's Derek Carr. Dana White claims that he had a deal for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski to come to Las Vegas due to his connections both with the city of Las Vegas and with the Patriots, uh, friend of Robert Kraft and longtime Patriots fan. So. He said that to Gronk, unlike some alternate broadcasts at this past weekend's UFC event, and Gronk didn't deny it. So now everyone's jumping ahead like, oh, he was going to go to the Raiders. Derek Carr was the guy. John Gruden was apparently the one who said, no, we want to stick with Derek Carr. Tons of stories coming out about it. But again, everyone said the same thing about the Dolphins a month ago. So in all likelihood, if everything is true, then yeah, it probably was. Like if Brady was really looking to buy a house in Vegas, but was told, no, we want Derek Carr, then yeah, that's probably how that conversation on the shop went out. Okay, uh, But good. again, it's all still speculation and rumor. So 
Yeah, because there was um, definitely <laughs> I had some people who were reaching out to me to be like, "Wow, the Niners really passed on Brady," uh, which, uh, in retrospect, obviously, I'm sure, I'm sure Brady stupid. was interested in going going back home playing for his favorite team as a child. So he's the only quarterback it, I can think. And Garoppolo is there, his former teammate. So it made perfect sense the, that it could have right. been it, the, the, nar- the dots were there to align, but it sounds like we have more tangible yeah. evidence on this on this new theory. Uh, yeah, and, right. And, I'll say it. Tom Brady is the only quarterback that I could see the 49ers unretiring the number 12 to let him wear. Uh, as we all, three of us, I'm sure, are very familiar that quarterback, a 49ers legend, uh, quarterback John Brody had the number 12 retired uh, for the 49ers. And um, so we, I guess we could let Tom Brady wear it if, <laughs> if he ever joined the, the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point there have been so many teams that uh, are potentially, you know, connected to Brady that it's almost like I think he just would have wanted to go anywhere but New England. Feels like he was just <laughs> done there, and anyone who was willing to to bring him along. Um, that being said, he went to Tampa. He exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so that being said, I will come out and say that I think that the Raiders are probably the easy answer here for really a lot of the reasons you guys mentioned combination of maybe their quarterback is viewed as the weakest in this division. Their defense has question marks. So I think it's fair to look at them. Josh McDaniels, you mentioned didn't have a ton of success over a decade ago in Denver. We'll see what he does now. Obviously the, uh, the Bill Belichick coaching tree history, you know, we've, we've gone over that plenty of times now and how not spectacular it's been. He's the one I'd have the most confidence in. Yeah, and I agree. I, I'm really excited to see what he can do with this offense. Isn't and that I, I feel what we like always say of... about Bill Belichick disciples, yeah, though? It's I, like, before think... they fail, it's uh, like, this is the one. Yeah. And that, I think that is totally fair to say. Um, that being said, I think you made a lot of the great points that I was ready to make about the Raiders. You talked about Devontae Adams, maybe the best receiver in the league. Darren Waller top five, maybe top three, even tight end in the league. Hunter Renfro, one of the best slot receivers. Josh Jacobs is a very good running back. I think he's someone who can carry the load on first and second down. They brought in Zamir White, fourth round pick. Brandon Bolden coming from Josh McDaniels offense in New England. He had 40 catches, 400 yards last year. Just another weapon for Derek Carr to play with. So I think you can make a case that the Raiders, even if they have like the worst quarterback in this division, they probably have the best group of skill position players of any team in this division maybe even the whole league probably put the Bengals above them still but they're certainly up there so uh when i look at this raiders team i think the biggest thing that brings me to say that it's not going to be them is the fact that last season they dealt with all that turmoil john gruden being fired henry ruggs being arrested damon arnett another first round pick uh being cut i forgot about yeah that uh, gun wielding (laughs) video they went through so much last year and they still found a way to go 10 and 7 and make the playoffs. And I look at the rest of the division, Kansas City Chiefs, they've been there 6 years in a row winning the division. Every year with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, they've gone in the AFC Championship game to say that just because Tyreek Hill is gone, they're the team that's most likely to finish in fourth place. I think that's a stretch. I'd like to see it happen. I don't want to be the person who predicts their downfall. Um And when I look at the Broncos, I've been saying for years, I really like the Broncos. They, I've picked them to make the playoffs. I said, Drew Locke MVP. I know that that horrible take uh, that can't be any worse. 
Um, and you throw in Russell Wilson now, and it feels like that team is built for success. And who does that leave? Well, the team that missed the playoffs at the expense of the Raiders through only fault of their own, the Los Angeles Chargers. And I've talked about it before, but it's Murphy's Law applies to this team more so than almost any team in professional sports. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. We've seen this throughout the whole Phillip Rivers era between them having just awesome teams in the regular season that flame out of the playoffs or one year where they were first on offense, first on defense and managed to miss the playoffs. And they, they had moments in recent years where they've given you some reason to believe 2018, they go out and get destroyed by the Patriots in the playoffs. So I think that again, I'm talking about the rivers side of it. Justin Herbert comes along last year, the chargers started four and one. They beat Kansas City in Arrowhead. They won a huge game over the Cleveland Browns. And they they got off to a strong start and then kind of collapsed as the season went along. Five and seven in their last 12 games. Three of their last four, they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime. Thursday night football game they very easily could have won. Brandon Staley famously uh, basically gave pass on points at the end of the first half. And that ended up being a huge difference maker. Week 16. They go to Houston, take on a terrible Texans team, must-win game for a team in the playoff race, and they get smoked. 41 points to Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead. And then, of course, in Week 18, all they had to do was tie to make the playoffs, and they just questionable early fourth-down decisions forced them to kind of play from behind, get to overtime, and they just get ran to death on by the Raiders in overtime when the Raiders are barely even trying. They're like, we'll kick a 58 yard field goal and hope for the best. And the the chargers ended up letting them gain an extra 10 yards or so to make it much more doable. So when I look at these four teams, I see four teams that are not just playoff contenders. I think they all have legit shots to go to the Super Bowl, And I do think the chargers are very good and they should make the playoffs and they should be one of the best teams. And part of me, thinks that maybe they're actually going to win this whole division. But if I look at one of these teams, I'm going to go with the team that has been a disappointment in years past, you know, has not lived up to expectations, and that's that's the Chargers. I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to finish in last place, but if I had to pick one team, like something's going to go wrong, something's going to prevent them, the Chargers is the one who stand out the most to me because time and time again, something about this franchise has led to them failing to meet those expectations. So <laughs> it's a compelling narrative, although uh, I don't know. I believe in the uh, in the renewal of the Chargers through all the offseason moves. I mean, will their defense really still fall apart with Khalil Mack and uh, Joey Bosa both rushing the quarterback at the same time? And J.C. Jackson after his ankle heals or whatever he's getting surgery yeah, on. I mean, right he's now. already injured. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, right. But when he comes back stronger uh, than ever, will will his like interceptions that is, be the, that is a good question. Their first the two games. Down? Yeah. Their first two games are against the Raiders and Devonte Adams and then against the chiefs. So if he can't play in those two games and that, that, that could be a big difference. It, all it could take is just a slow start for any of these teams to really be set back in this division. So, uh, but again, it, it's one of those things where it's kind of a bolder take, but it's more fun than just saying, oh, the Raiders, all three of us think the Raiders are going to come in last place because Derek Carr is not as good as the other three quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, or whatever argument we want to say there. Uh, that being said, who are our picks to actually win this division? Not just who is most likely to win, but if you had to say this team is going to win the AFC West, who would you go with? 
I really enjoyed your analysis on why you think the Chargers will finish in last. <laughs> because uh, the team you think is going to finish in last in this division is the team I think is going to... I had a strong feeling that was the case. Yeah. Corey, you're, you've always been been high on the Broncos, uh-huh. and I've always been high on the Chargers. And it looks like we're not going to give up on that. Because <laughs> I love the Chargers this year. Their offense is stacked. They have one of the best, if not the best, offense in the league. Justin Herbert in his rookie year broke out and became Offensive Rookie of the Year. And his second year, he was just as good. And this year, I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate. And Austin Eckler, one of my favorite running backs in the league, one of the best running backs in the league, I think he'll have another great season. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, that's got to be one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. And I think Mike Williams, the way, especially the way he played last, last year in Week 18, I think he has a real shot at becoming their number one wideout. And Josh Palmer, they took in the third round last year, and I thought he was excellent in the last month of the season, and he's been great in the preseason as well. Last year, I talked about how the best, uh, newest additions that'll make the biggest impact. I mentioned both Rashawn Slater and and Lindsley on their offensive line. Both those guys ended up being second-team All-Pros, mm-hmm. uh, so both of them were great last year. And then defensively, like Ben mentioned, they added Khalil Mack, and then alongside Joey Bosa, that makes for an amazing pass rush. And they added, like you said, J.C. Jackson, number one cornerback uh, in the market this season. Yes, it is a little concerning that he's going to be out po- probably for the beginning portion of the season, but looks like it's minor and he'll be back, and he'll definitely help out the secondary a lot. And Derwin James, they extended to a big contract, and he was a first-team All-Pro last year. And I do get the... I, I do get why people are down on him in terms of uh, Brandon Staley and his aggressiveness on going it going for it on fourth down. Uh, like you said, Corey, in week was it sixteen? Uh, yeah, week sixteen, week fifteen actually. Yep. Thursday night football mm-hmm. versus the Chiefs. We saw multiple uh, questionable decisions coaching wise on fourth down and going for the t- the touchdown at the end of the half. And we saw in week 18 him going for it on fourth down at 20-yard line, which is just absurd, mm-hmm. and like which I do agree with. Too. Yeah, and so I I totally get why people are down on them in terms of Brandon Staley, but I I actually I do like Brandon Staley, or I, I think he's a sharp coach, and I do like that he's aggressive. And obviously the Chargers were one of the top teams in terms of fourth down attempts, but they were actually also one of the uh, best teams in terms of fourth down percentage. It's like no, so in those games on Thursday night and Sunday night football on Week 18, they weren't great. But well, he also for they everyone to drive. see, Didn't but they, they pick up like five fourth downs on that drive against the Raiders. That's fourth true. Overtime. So they yeah. wouldn't have had to and if just, they didn't go for it from the twenty and not get it. That's a but. good point. That that was such a wild game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just it was that was ridiculous. Yeah, I but never had my heart race I, more for a game between the Raiders and Chargers. Than oh, that. my heart was racing too because the Patriots, uh, their yeah. a playoff opponent was uh, to be determined yeah. in that I mean, game the, too. The Steelers' playoff fate was even more in the balance. Yeah, and then they got their ass kicked by Kansas <laughs> yeah, City. Like who cares? No offense, Corey. Yeah, uh, kind of. I would have rather. <laughs> so no, I I would have rather not be eliminated because two teams tie on the last game of the year. I thought it'd been the greatest thing ever, <laughs> but but yeah. With, with that being said, I, I I love the Chargers this year, and I I I I do think Brandon Staley needs a little bit more feel for the game and not be he has me toned it down a little bit. But I do like that he's aggressive, and I I like the Chargers on both sides of the ball because 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 uh, their their run defense took a hit last year, and that's what held them back. But I think 
both sides of the ball they're going to be great and i have them as the division winner and i don't i know history says otherwise <laughs> i'm I, i'm not i want to give real analysis i don't want to be like oh well past years it no, just I mean, hasn't worked out i don't know what to tell you like i don't i don't want to just uh, say that no right, that's it's whether or not you believe in the, <laughs> the uh, mythic surrounding the the chargers because nobody should expect the results that the chargers get you know they find absurd ways to fall apart so every year that's how i generally feel about the chargers i'm like surely it won't happen again and somehow it does (laughs) so um but i i'm kind of gonna i just echo i agree with everything you just said brian so i'm not gonna restate everything i love the chargers offense um i think that they have playmakers on defense and i am now Justin Herbert believer after being one of his biggest doubters in the draft I have seen the error of my ways and I agree with you he is a uh, MVP candidate this year I think he's going to have a big big year and I think it can be enough to win the division I think it's a toss-up I think it's hard to be like oh they're definitely better than the Chiefs and the Broncos but oh like, yeah it's, it's but, this division's but I could see thing. something like a you know Justin Herbert third year, uh, you know, really, you know, taking his game to another level after already being so good, being the difference maker potentially in a tough division, and I think that could be enough to get the Chargers to that number one spot in the division. You know, part of me wants to sit here and also pick the Chargers to, to win the division. <laughs> I actually did at one point early in the offseason. I was like, man, I might fully convert and uh, not doubt this team like I do every single year. Uh, but no, for the purpose of, of content, um, you know, you two can hopefully have differing takes at one point in this. But uh, no, and I, I get it. And I think that this division has four very strong teams in it. I could see scenarios where all four of these teams come out on top and winning this division and ultimately i don't know if it's the most exciting pick but kansas city chiefs have patrick mahomes and i get that they don't have tyree kill anymore but we've seen this team have a ton of success in the past offensively and last year their defense really stepped up as the season went along and i i do think that there were some potential losses there uh, that they'll need to make up for. But I do like them replacing Tyron Matthew with the younger Justin Reed. I think he was one of the few bright spots in Houston in the past couple seasons when everything was going wrong. And ultimately, Andy Reed is the most experienced coach in this division. He's the head coach I trust the most. I think last year I was really doubting the Chiefs early on, and then they just figured it out first with their defense and then eventually their offense. And they choked in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals, no denying that, but they should have gone to their third straight Super Bowl. And you know, because of that, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I think the Chiefs are going to win the division again. And I'll wait, look to see if one of these teams can knock them off because you got a Raiders have a new head coach. The Broncos have a new head coach and a new quarterback. And I've already told you my thoughts on the Chargers. And I, I think any three of those teams have what it takes to knock off the Chiefs. But I'm still going to stick with Kansas City. Still going to stick with Patrick Mahomes until he proves me otherwise. Yeah, you have and no reason we'll not see. I mean, it, it's a, yeah, it, well, this is a huge year. He loses his number one weapon. He still has Travis Kelsey, though. They brought in a new slew of receivers. So I, I think that they've they've made attempts to at least be able to get by without Tyreek Hill. We'll see how huge of a loss it is. But they've had to play without him in the past because of injuries. And it hasn't totally slowed them down. But we'll see. It's a big year for Kansas City. And it could be 
kind of a, an early changing of the guard in that division. If, you know, one of these teams, whether it's the Chargers, the Broncos or the Raiders uh, were to pass them. So uh, that being said, it would be kind of fun for someone else to win the division rather than the Chiefs for the seventh year in a row. So uh, that being said, let's talk about a new addition to this division that we believe could have the biggest impact. And just to clarify, Russell Wilson is an obvious answer. I mean, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, also a kind of obvious answer. And there are a ton of new additions across these four teams. So we're going to exclude those two before we get into this. Well, I I know that's what we talked about doing, but I kind of feel like we've danced around talking about Russell Wilson uh, in, in this discussion. In a way so we far. have. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, true. Because, uh, like you said, he's he's the obvious biggest mm-hmm. impact addition to this division. The Broncos have a, a true quarterback now, and I, I think it would be wrong to blame the Seahawks' struggles on Russell Wilson. Um, so you, I, it feels like the sky is the limit, right? It feels like he can mm-hmm. come in there. They've got great targets. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Cor- Tim Patrick, Sutton and Judy. Jerry Judy. Tim Patrick towards ACL. Towards ACL. So. Rip, yeah. dude. Okay. But KJ Hamler. Yeah. To, who tore his ACL last Hoping year? To bounce he's, back. yeah, looking to bounce back and be the third guy. Yeah, uh-huh. and and um, but I guess yeah. What are you guys' expectations for Russell Wilson? Is it just plug and play, instant Super Bowl contender because just him, or oh, what I, does I, he need to do in in Denver? I mean, I I like Denver a lot too. I know, like you said, Ben, we kind of danced around it, but I I'm pretty high on Denver too, and it, I've I've said it multiple years where. It's like, man, this team is pretty good. They just need a quarterback, and I've been critical of them not getting one in the past where I thought they should have drafted one in the the not this past draft, but the one before that. And But then all of a sudden they got Russell Wilson this past offseason. Like, all right, well, they finally got the quarterback, and a legit one too, and they got uh, the rest of their roster I think is good enough to possibly win the division and possibly compete for, for a Super Bowl, and they got good – options like we mentioned just now with Sutton Judy and Hamler and Javante Williams could could be a good breakout candidate this year and and yeah so they got a good offense and and they got they got studs on their defense too like uh Sertan and and Chubb and I I think I think it's gonna be great I think they're gonna be great. is there any chance that Russell Wilson is bad now like is there any chance that it people was are saying Pete that Carroll the whole time people are saying that <laughs> That Russell Wilson, that the trade that the Broncos overpaid to get Russell Wilson, like ah, he's not great anymore. And my belief is that we, I'm kind of like jumping. Uh, I'm I'm going too far ahead because we're going to talk about the Seahawks later. But I think as I think their success had way more to do with Russell Wilson than than because because there are times where I watch the Seahawks and like, man, if Russell Wilson wasn't here, like this team would suck. And I I think now that Russell Wilson has a better supporting cast. Uh, I I think I think the Broncos and along with him himself they're gonna have a great year. I think I've been guilty in the past of downplaying Russell Wilson because of the Seahawks struggles and feeling like a lot of it was on him and that they they just weren't going to accomplish anything with him uh, by the end of his tenure there. So uh, you know I think since we started this podcast I've been pretty high on the Broncos believing that they had the pieces and wanting to convince myself that they had a quarterback who is capable of taking them to the playoffs. They now have that guy in Russell Wilson. I don't necessarily buy into them as a team who is like capable of 
going to the Super Bowl. I think the AFC is very crowded, and I think it's it's going to take some time. But I don't know how much time they have with Russell Wilson because he's just only going to be getting older at this point. Uh, their offensive line is still a question mark, and that's something that really plagued him in Seattle. And I think that is kind of the biggest difference maker. That's really the reason why I just kind of overlook them when I look at the other three teams where I'm like, yeah, they went 7-10 and 10 with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke as their quarterback. I think they can go at least 10-7 and seven with Russell Wilson. Should be good enough to make the playoffs, but I, I think they're going to be a one-and-done team. I think they get in as a wild card, and that's it. Um, just because I, I think it's gonna be, the transitions be tough. Offensive line has question marks, and Broncos are another team where, like these past few years, I, I think like they've they've shown a lot of really good signs, a really solid defense, but it does feel like there's been a lot of disappointment out of Denver, even given the quarterback situation. So I don't know that Russell Wilson comes in and totally turns around that franchise in the same way that a guy like Peyton Manning did a decade ago. He's got the same amount of Super Bowls that Peyton Manning had when he arrived in Denver. So that is true. Could be yep. could be following in his uh, in his footsteps. I just can't believe my good fortune as a 49ers fan to see Russell Wilson depart the division. It, it can't <laughs> be overstated uh, that like a quarterback like Russell Wilson has no business leaving his team. I mean, come on, he's been so good. And I know they've had their their troubles, but what football team doesn't? And uh, it's let me tell you, quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So he I just can't believe he's gone. It's so nice to be talking about Russell Wilson, you know, being the scourge of some other division. Uh, it's it's uh, it's really nice. I'm so glad that he is a new addition. So to the, so to the AFC West. <laughs> so, Ben, is Russell Wilson your newest addition? I'll make the biggest impact, even though we kind of just I mean, <laughs> talked about how we wouldn't can throw out somebody that. else. I will, if you... I will throw. Well, it's just that. Yeah, yeah. it's just that Corey asked the question yeah. and we just talked about Russell Wilson for 10 minutes. <laughs> no, of course, we got it out of the way. Look, he is the obvious right. new addition. Uh, yes. But, yeah. but I let's, will. Let's throw out some other names. Yeah, I, I um, I'll just throw out Justin Reed. And I, I'm I'm not the biggest. I'm not, I don't think I'm the best analyst for safeties in the nfl but i i've always heard good things about justin reed his brother eric was really good for the 49ers uh you know coming out of lsu and um i i've just heard a lot of promising things and tyron matthew who was kind of the vocal leader of this defense he seemed to make the like as a leader make the chief's defense greater than the sum of its parts uh and i I think that that kind of leadership is really powerful i think uh, that Justin Reed can step into a leadership role like that. And he's like five years younger than Tyron Matthew. Uh, so you, you've got, you're, you know, building for the future. You, the, what I like about the Chiefs is they they find a way to, you know, stay relevant and prepare for the future because they've got a quarterback. They The window is wide open for them for a long time. So they should be making those kind of moves where instead of holding on to someone like Tyron Matthew, investing in youth, uh, you know, keeping this thing going, uh, I, I think it was a really great move. And I think Justin Reed is going to have a big year and help this, you know, seemingly depleted defense, uh, continue to be good enough to not lose the game, uh, when their offense is clearly destroying people. So that's my big addition to the AFC West is Justin Reed. I like that pick. And, uh, my pick for newest addition, I'll make the biggest impact. No surprise. It's a charger. And I'm going to go with Khalil Mack. And like I mentioned before, the the Chargers offense is awesome. Uh, but what held them back last year was their putrid run defense. And it was bad all year, but then it 
it showed up in a bad way at the worst possible time at the end of overtime in week 18 when they needed a big third down stop and all of a sudden Josh Jacobs picked up 10 yards and then Carlson kicked the field goal and so their run defense their defense but especially their run defense let them down last year and I think Khalil Mack adding him to the roster can really improve that and I think outside of the Niners and the Steelers I think I think the Chargers could have one of the best pass rushes this year with uh, a duo like Mack and Joey Bosa on their team and there have been talks about how Khalil Mack has declined over the years and I'm not going to deny that I think I think they're I think that's I think it's kind of true that he's declined a little bit but I think part of it's just because he was on the Bears and remember when he got traded from the Oakland Raiders uh to the Chicago Bears in that first game he had versus Green mm-hmm. Bay on the road and he's killing it and yeah, knocked I Aaron Rodgers out of the game yeah I think oh right right and I think something something like that I think he can be rejuvenated being on a new team a contending team and getting to face his former team twice a year now which I think I think that can really turn around his career and and show that he's still one of the one of the best edge guys in the league so I'm gonna go with Khalil Mack a year ago, everyone was saying that Khalil Mack had this terrible contract. He was washed up with the Bears. And then I remember back in March, it was, oh, the Bears only got a second-round pick for Khalil Mack. So I, I think that's another thing where I just look at Khalil Mack as uh, really kind of a, a question mark in terms of what we see out of him. But I think that he's someone who could potentially be a big factor in terms of he does continue to be like a great pass rusher. He could be huge for the Chargers. That could be the difference. But if he kind of reverts to the, oh, the Bears, what are they doing? Giving all up, you know, all those first round picks, paying him all that money, then I, I think that could be just another factor in why the the Chargers end up finishing at the bottom, like I I kind of talked about. So, <laughs> um, one of the Chargers I had considered was Sebastian Joseph Day because I think as a yeah, he's tackle, another guy. Yeah, him and. Him and so Sebastian Joseph Day was he was pretty good for the Rams last year, but then he got hurt mm-hmm. and he was put on IR. I think he might have played a little. He played, in the Super yeah. Bowl. So he played seven games last year. I don't know. Was he back yeah. for the Super Bowl? I don't. I don't. I pretty I sure think they activated him. I don't know if he played okay. or not, but but I'm pretty sure he was activated before the Super Bowl. But regardless, like he played seven games last year he, and then he got hurt. He was really good in 2020 with Brandon yeah. Saley as his DC. When he right. was still yeah. there with the Rams, so yeah, so he he was pretty good for the Rams, and they also added Kyle Van Noy, who helped the Patriots win multiple Super Bowls on their defense too. So yeah, I like, yeah, I, I definitely like some of the moves they've made defensively mm-hmm. and J.C. Jackson. But I think the biggest uh, impactful player will be Khalil Mack. No, and I think that all those moves combined, like they they're huge. The Chargers' defense, particularly their run defense, was a, a big problem. So you know, if those guys come in and actually turn things around, then yeah, the Chargers are going to be really good this year uh, until something crazy happens that prevents them from uh, not reaching their potential. Um, so for me, kind of a, a homer pick given that he's uh, been one of my favorite players the past few seasons, but I'm going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster and the Kansas City Chiefs, we talked about it. They need to replace Tyreek Hill and they added a few wide receivers this offseason. They signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling to a three-year deal from Green Bay. They drafted Sky Moore in the second round. I'm going to focus on Juju partially because I love him still, even though he's not in the Steelers, but also because we've seen in the past just how 
good he can be. That 2018 season, playing opposite Antonio Brown, 111 catches, 1,400 receiving yards. And even in 2020, even though his yards yardage total was low, he still had 97 catches and nine touchdowns on a Steelers offense that was they couldn't do anything other than pass the ball three yards and hope for the best. And I think that he was a huge addition, like a big part of that team. And the, the Steelers definitely lost a lot of leadership just kind of as a veteran in the room when he went down last year. And I think um, the, the Steelers offense could have looked much better had Juju been able to stay healthy. And I know the chiefs brought him in on kind of a cheap one year deal, but I think he's someone where if he can come in, he doesn't necessarily have to be the number one guy in that offense, but if he can, kind of show flashes of who he was in his early days in Pittsburgh, then I think the Chiefs offense can continue to be one of the best in the league, even without one of the best wide receivers there anymore. And really, I probably could have gone with any of those three guys. But, you know, like I said, Juju's my guy, and I would love to see him have success with Patrick Mahomes. All right, so let's wrap up the AFC West with a bold prediction. So when we did the South preview, uh, my two bold predictions were really just like normal, <laughs> lukewarm takes, and so because of that, like the South divisions are boring, and the, but the West divisions oh, are yeah. s- super exciting. And because of that, I'm going to give two bold predictions, and these are bold. And I kind of hate, but also kind of figured that Corey was going to bring up Juju as his new addition to make the biggest impact. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because I. I'm really high on Juju Smith-Schuster this season. I believe he's in for a big bounce-back year. 2018, he had over 100 catches, 1,400 yards. And then, like you said, Corey, even though in 2020 he didn't have as many catches or yards, but he's still impactful mm. that season. And it was not that long ago that he had these big seasons. And he was doing that with a dusty, aging Ben Roethlisberger. And now he's entering the prime of his career. And he gets to play with Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in the league in a very pass heavy offense. They no longer have Tyree Kill. And so they're gonna have to they're gonna rely on all these receivers, like I said, like MVS and Sky Moore and then Kelsey at tight end, of course. But I think Juju is in for a really big season and like I said, Tyree Kill's gone and Travis Kelsey, he's gonna turn thirty three this year. And so yeah, I'm I'm big on Juju. And another thing is you can also say there's the TikTok narrative because Jackson Mahomes, we know, <laughs> is big on TikTok. So is Juju Smith-Schuster. So I think there's going to be TikTok, a though. There is going <laughs> to there's going to be a big on and off the field connection with the Mahomes family. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm joking aside. Uh, yeah, I, I I think he's going in for a great season. And so my bold my my first bold call for this division is that Juju Smith-Schuster will be a top five wide receiver in fantasy this year. I hope you're right about and, that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And then my second bold call, I am, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, I am all in on the LA Chargers. And my other bold call, this will really hit me in the face later in the year, <laughs> but I will say the LA Chargers will win Super Bowl 57. Oh, <laughs> nice. I will say so, you predicted the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl in 2018, fresh off like multiple losing seasons. And they, that was their best year in like the last seven years of the Phillip Rivers era. So yeah, and so uh, I from from my Luke very lukewarm <laughs> takes from the south, I decided to go all <laughs> all out for the for the this division. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> well, I have two predictions. One of them is a little more lukewarm, and the other one is I think pretty bold. Um, so we'll we'll raise the heat as we go, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> first, I kind of touched on it earlier. Justin Herbert is my pick for MVP. 
I think that he's going to outdo himself uh, and really show what he's capable of. Totally make all the doubters really look stupid from the draft uh, analysis. And uh, I think he's going to win MVP. So that's my first bold prediction, locking that one in. And then my second bold prediction, and uh, this was mainly inspired by just trying to be as bold as possible, but I think Devontae Adams has less than 1,000 yards this season. And it will be, the narrative will be, was it really Aaron Rodgers the whole time? Was it, does Devonte Adams like overvalued coming out of a really uh, productive, uh, you know, offense with Aaron Rodgers and, uh, or, or what, you know, what would be the problem there? I, I, it's a, tough no, one I, to choose, I like that, but I feel like it is bold. It's a new place for him. I like that take because even though I, I'm a car fan, it is a downgrade from Rodgers. And even though I don't like Aaron Rodgers, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And the chemistry that he had with Devontae is probably second to none What like in terms of a QB wide receiver duo uh, all, all these past few years. I think it was probably the top QB wide receiver duo in the league uh, for some time. And so I can totally see Devontae uh, taking a step back in terms of production and his target share will lessen for sure too, because when he was on the Packers, like the next best targets were well, like Alan Lazard and MVS and Aaron Jones is probably their next best target, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, honestly, like a running back. And so th- there's the ball is going to be spread out a lot more in Las Vegas uh, in their offense. So I, I like that call. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's totally fair to question what um, Devonte Adams chemistry is going to be like with Derek Carr. I mean, they they were roommates in college. They, bought houses next to each other in las vegas but who knows how they're gonna play together <laughs> right well i appreciate you i, I appreciate you pushing back a little Corey, because i, I do think uh, it's a little bit of uh sacrilege to doubt Devonte adams abilities you yeah, know no and like, i actually love that you're doing that because i was starting to question whether my bold prediction was bold enough uh but my bold prediction is i don't care if Devonte adams doesn't reach a thousand yards um, as long as Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and Brandon Bolden and whoever else Derek Carr is throwing to do put up big numbers because my bold prediction is that Derek Carr is going to lead the league in passing yards. I think that the Raiders are a loaded offense and their defensive question marks are only going to help him because he's going to be forced to pass the ball. They're probably <laughs> going to be playing from behind every now and then. I don't think all the time. Because like I said, I don't think that they're going to come in last place this year in this division. But I think between you know all those factors, it's going to help Derek Carr. And I think it's crazy that he is uh, going as low as he is in fantasy drafts when a lot of his weapons are going really high. So he's someone that I might end up targeting. I said Matthew Stafford last year and I didn't even consider taking him. So we'll see what happens. I still have a ways to go, but um, I'm definitely intrigued by Derek Carr this year. And, uh, you know, Brian, I know no, you've I been totally a huge it, fan yeah. of Derek Carr for a while. So I like the idea of us just becoming a Derek Carr podcast this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess that will wrap things up with the NFC West. Or sorry, the AFC West, and we can move on now to the NFC West. And uh, while this division maybe isn't as exciting as the AFC West, there's still plenty of reasons to be intrigued by a lot of these teams. And that starts with the defending Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams. Last year, they went out, they traded for Matthew Stafford, went all in, and it paid off with them winning four playoff games, including a Super Bowl in their home stadium. So... They're riding high, entering 2022. 
some changes, some players going out, some new guys coming in. Uh, that being said, what are the biggest factors that will stop the Rams from going back to back, you know, reaching the Super Bowl once again? I think the Rams are still going to be good this year, and I still think they'll be a playoff team, but I do have some concerns about uh, about the Rams. I, I think I think the Rams, they have one of the toughest schedules this year, uh, in my opinion, because week one, right out of the gate, they face Buffalo, and then in the month of October, they got two road games versus the Niners, and they got... Uh, a road game versus the Cowboys. I was really hoping you guys would get that joke that they got two oh, road games. Because they the play. I, I was wondering. Wait, <laughs> I, I thought you were saying the Niners and someone else. So they played the Niners twice. No. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll face the Niners twice in October that where there'll be way more Niners fans Francisco. in the stands. Yeah. That would be yes. a lot funnier to me if the Niners had won the <laughs> most important game. <laughs> That's true, so far, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh. And then in week nine, they got the Bucks, and then week 11, the Saints, the, and then the next week after that, the Chiefs, and then 14, week 14, they got Raiders, and then Packers, and then Broncos in charge. I, their schedule is tough mm-hmm. this year, and rightfully so. They won the division, and, and they're facing the AFC West, obviously, but man, that is a brutal schedule, and I still think, again, I still think they'll make the playoffs, but that's definitely concerning. And then another concern I have is, I think the Rams roster... They got some studs on their team, both sides of the ball, like Aaron Donald, of course, one of the best players in the league, and then Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP and had an amazing season last year. And they signed uh, some some couple guys in free agency. But after that, after after like the first like four or five guys in their roster, it really gets – they don't have the greatest depth. I think it's very top-heavy, and it's a, their roster is a little thin. And that concerns me a little bit. And then another big concern is, I don't know how concerning this is, but there are talks about Matthew Stafford's elbow tendonitis. I'm curious if there have been people have talked about how like, you know, it's not that huge of a concern. He'll be fine. It's no big deal. And then there are people saying that, no, like this is going to be a real thing and they might need to find another quarterback uh, in place of Stafford. And so I don't know what to think of that, but it's, it's, it's a little concerning, right? Uh, oh, that absolutely. story about his ten- elbow tendonitis. I mean, anytime so... the phrase Tommy John surgery is thrown around, it's very concerning, <laughs> yeah. especially in the sport of football. So, yeah. And so I that obviously would hurt their offense if that if the elbow tendonitis is a problem for Stafford. So, those are I would say the three biggest factors in why I don't think the Rams can repeat this year. Yeah, I'm with you there. Matt Stafford's 34 he's not getting he's not getting any younger and um even though we've seen great quarterbacks continue to be great uh into their mid to late 30s it's still professional sports it's still a rough time being out there and uh this is the time this is the age range where quarterbacks fall off i mean every position falls off so if i think matt stafford was the thing that put them over the edge that made them uh, good enough to win a Super Bowl, better than Jared Goff, uh, and I think it's you know it could be the the reason that they can't if he falls off. I don't think he will. I'm a big Matt Stafford believer. As much as it hurts to see him win with the Rams, because obviously I don't like the Rams, it was awesome to see Matt Stafford finally be rewarded for being a football badass for all of these years uh, and getting no like 
actual uh, tangible reward for it as far as, I mean, he obviously made a lot of money, but like he didn't have that postseason success and that legacy. So I, I'm happy for him there. And I, uh, you know, have believe in him, but if he falls apart, I think this team falls apart. So I think that that's, that's big. Also the, the Super Bowl hangover, you know, um, they did just win it all. Aaron Donald specifically, I think that man was uh, possessed with uh, the way he was playing in the postseason. He was he wanted that ring so mm-hmm. bad. And with the historic uh, career that he's had so far, it's one of those things where he he could have been one of those players. You're like, dang, is he the best player who never got a ring kind of thing? And he played amazing and got himself a ring. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's going to be. He made now. arguably the biggest play of the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'm not going to. And then right when he made the play, he pointing at his finger. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And <laughs> and um, he's. I'm not saying he's going to be bad now, but I do believe in that kind of intangible part of football. And I don't think it's common to have the championship mentality that Tom Brady has. I do think that guys who are completely obsessed with winning uh, will win and then decide, well, now I just really like winning. I'm not completely possessed by it anymore. And I, I'm okay with just making the playoffs and, and winning a home game or whatever. And then, uh, well, we didn't get it. Not everybody's in, as insane as Tom Brady to just make it their life's mission to win every Super Bowl. So I think that complacency could be the enemy here uh, for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, Donald flirted with retirement as well this offseason. It might have just been a big ploy to get a big contract extension, but, uh, I mean, that that there it tells you enough about where, where Donald stands in terms of his football career. Um, Matthew Stafford's elbow injury was the first thing I wrote down that that could make or break this team season. Um, you know, if he can continue to play at a high level, then the Rams are still going to be a very good football team. But if he if he does actually miss time, then, yeah, that's uh, that's all she wrote for them. Um, injuries, I think, in general are kind of a big concern right now. Jalen Ramsey had shoulder surgery not too long ago. There's some question marks about him entering the season. Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson Jr., their two top running backs, are both dealing with soft tissue injuries. Those can certainly linger coming into the season. Injuries is something that can affect any team. Uh, but we we are seeing actual tangible evidence of injuries taking an effect. And my next point, their offensive line. They drafted Logan Bruss in the third round. He was probably going to be their starting left or right guard. He tore his ACL and MCL in their second preseason game. Their offensive line, center Brian Allen, right tackle Rob Havenstein. They're both solid. I think they're both very good starting pieces. But there's certainly some question marks in there. Joe Newtboom was decent as their swing tackle last year. But now he's being asked to replace Walter Payton Man of the Year, Andrew Whitworth, longtime starting left tackle for that Rams team. So we'll see how he does. And then at the guard position, David Edwards, Coleman Shelton, both of them are kind of question marks being asked to be this team's starting guard. So I think offensive line is going to be a, a question mark. I mean, we talk about how how do the Rams have all these expensive players? Oh, well, Brian, you kind of talked about it. The roster drops off at a certain point when you pay you know, seven or eight guys, 90% of the salary cap. You're just relying on uh mid round, late round. Yeah. Picks it goes from Aaron trades. Donald and Jalen Ramsey and like and defensively. And then Bobby Wagner, which is which all three guys are studs. But after that, it's, 
it 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 drops. <laughs> it's a big drop off. Like who's that next best guy on their defense? It does. Probably, probably Leonard Floyd. Yeah, but Len- like, and, well, you know Leonard what I mean Floyd. though. Yeah. it's like it's a huge drop off. So they're, they're very top heavy yes. roster. I mean the Rams were third last season in overall sacks. They had fifty, and Von Von Miller is now gone. He had five sacks in just half a season with them. He had four in the playoffs. He stepped up almost as big as Aaron Donald did. Sebastian Joseph Day, who we talked about, as well as Troy Reader, went to the Chargers. Both of them defensive tackles, but they both contributed to the pass rush. So Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, those two guys are still there. You can expect them to still provide a lot of pass rush prowess to this team, but I think they're going to be relied on even more so if this is a roster that the Chargers go into the season with because Justin Hollins is slated to be their other outside linebacker opposite Leonard Floyd. He only played eight games last season. I think he tore his pec and or at some kind of pec injury ended up missing most of the season, only played eight games. He only had two sacks as a reserve. We'll see him stepping up. Um, as a starter but I think that's another reason to be concerned about this team overall I think they have the experience they have the talent to still be a very good team in the NFC Uh, and we just look at the whole conference I think that there is a bit of a drop-off when you look at some of those top teams but combine all of those factors with the the Super Bowl hangover aspect I think there's plenty of reasons to be down on the Rams and it might be easy to say I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl because I just went there last year um but I, I think that is actual factor, especially when you weigh in a lot of these question marks for this team. It's not like the box last year running back Super Bowl championship roster. Um, there's definitely some some new additions and some guys leaving and uh, plenty of question marks on various spots. So with that, let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, I mean, we, we've had, you know, Benjamin on plenty of times now. And I think most of the time we've been talking about the Niners and uh, you made no secret in the past that you were a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo thinking that he's a guy. I think one comment you made constantly is all he does is win. And the, the 49ers decided that uh, he didn't win enough and they are planning to move on from him. And as evidenced by giving up multiple draft picks to go up and get Trey Lance last year. The keys to that team are now his. So with the 49ers now moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, plugging in Trey Lance as the starting quarterback, coming off a trip to the NFC Championship game, how high should the expectations be for San Francisco this season? I'm going to go bold here. Super Bowl. I think that the 49ers should think as high as Super Bowl. Shanahan has shown that he can make deep playoff runs with a game manager quarterback who just needs to steer the ship, okay? And Jimmy Garoppolo is the only quarterback that he's had for the 49ers who's been even a game manager. Shanahan has had to coach some truly terrible quarterbacks in his time, uh, starting with Brian Hoyer, okay? As much as I loved Hoyer the Destroyer, I mean, that was an exciting time to be a 49ers (laughs) fan. We have really only had one competent quarterback in the Shanahan era, and it was Jimmy. And yes, I've always been Jimmy's biggest booster since he was a Niner. And I, there are a few games that he look at the 2019 game against the Saints. There are times where Jimmy goes out there and plays some really good football, but more often than not, he's throwing one to two boneheaded throws that are almost guaranteed to be interceptions uh, per game. And that they're 
they're going to lose you the game, you know? And, and uh, I think especially towards the end of his tenure at the Niners, the 49ers were winning in spite of his play instead of because of his play. Right. Uh, and again, I think the 49ers are a team that is heavily influenced by the play calling of Kyle Shanahan. They, they win and lose by his calls and um, they can do that as long as they have a quarterback who can steer the ship. Trey Lance has shown flashes of being able to do much more than steer the ship. Trey Lance has shown flashes of being a genuine playmaker. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, and again, it, it's always like preseason, but he has shown uh, flashes of being able to make truly amazing plays. If he can go out and do that on a consistent basis uh, and, and have the 49ers win games because of him, uh, then I think the sky's the limit. Kyle Shanahan's going to go out there and make it easy for him. And if he can be one of these true playmakers, one of these, a lot of people like to say Josh Allen when they see Trey Lance play. They're like, ooh, he's kind of the Josh Allen mold. If he's even 75% of Josh Allen, then Super Bowl. The Shanahan is going to make it that easy for him. Not to mention the roster is in a good place right now uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, the offensive line uh, maybe could be better, but it's decent. And then we've got George Kittle. We've got Debo Samuel, who did not leave, by the way, for all the people who, for a second year in a row, had to eat crow. Seemed like the exact same people who said that it was Mac Jones third overall to the Niners confirmed were the same people who are saying Debo Samuel is definitely going to be a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, so all those people completely wrong. Debo Samuel's still on the team. Brandon Ayuk has looked amazing in preseason uh, or like training camp. There's been a lot of hype around him in, in uh, 49ers training camp. Fred Warner, still one of the best linebackers in football. Nick Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in football. It, it's uh, They've got a scrappy <laughs> defensive uh, d defensive backs. So um, I think there's a lot to like on the 49ers as far as their roster goes. And if they have a quarterback who's a big plus then they're they're as good as any other team. I'm I'm basically going to repeat everything Ben <laughs> just said. But I, I like the Niners a lot. I think going from Jimmy G to Trey Lance, I think is a big boost for their offense. Uh, I th I think Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme is really it's it's really quarterback friendly. But I think it putting Lance in in that system makes it that just that much better than like you mentioned Ben with all the. Uh, like not so not as great or talented quarterbacks uh in the Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan has had in the past and and I think I think Trey Lance yeah he works perfectly with their offense and I think the offensive trio that they have around him is going to be great for Lance with George Kittle one of the best tight ends in the league and not just as a pass catcher but also as a blocker and so I'd imagine that the Niners will be a very run heavy offense with not just Trey Lance but also with of course, Elijah Mitchell and and then Davis Price and they also and whoever else we can find off the street. Kyle Shanahan, yeah, yeah, who, 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 running like, backs. They've exactly. got like five different running backs, <laughs> like Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon, like whoever's in the backfield. Yeah, and then they also use Debo a lot uh, as a running back. He's one of the best offensive weapons in the entire league. And then Brandon Ayuk, he was kind of in the doghouse in the very beginning of last season, and he did not have a good beginning to last. The, the beginning of last season, but I think he turned it around a little bit in the second half, and I think he'll be in for a bounce back season. And so, yeah, I like their I like their offense a lot. And then defensively, 
yeah, they got one of the best, probably the best defensive line uh, in in football with Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead, and then Javon Kinlaw. I imagine like to think he can break out at some point, and then yeah, Fred Warner, he's great too. And so, yeah, I'm 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 pretty high on the Niners uh, this year as well, and. Uh, so I'm <laughs> looks like Ben and I are just going to be uh, agreeing with everything. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Um, and, and also, you know, the 49ers didn't have a first round draft pick, obviously, as a result of the trade to get Trey Lance. But Drake Jackson, their second round pick, has looked really good in preseason. You know, the, the hype, I feel like as a 49ers fan, I'm always going to hear all the hype. But the of all the things that are being hyped, that one seems the most concrete. I think that Drake Jackson will have an impact as a rookie. And when you're pass rushing on the opposite side of Nick Bosa, who can, he's one of those guys who can sometimes draw a triple team. Uh, you know, if you can beat, uh, you know, one offensive lineman, you, you have a chance to get back there. Um, but also talking about the 49ers backfield, Trey Sermon has been the most elusive uh, running back in the worst way, not in the sense that he's dodging tackles, but like dodging his ability to be a good running back. Uh, the reports coming out of 49ers camp is he does not have that dog in him. Uh, it is, it has been really confusing uh, how a, a seemingly great college running back has been just unusable so far in the pros. And uh, I hope that turns around, but things like that don't really bother me because it seems like, like I said before, Kyle Shanahan can just put anybody back there and scheme up a, a, a run game that will produce yards. Yeah, I mean, the Shanahan family is, has always been like that. His dad did that in Denver, and Kyle has certainly carried on that tradition in San Francisco. A little disappointing to hear because I think a lot of people were really high on Trey Sermon uh, entering last season and then thinking, okay, this year. Uh, that being said, I'm not going to fight you guys on this one. The expectations have to be Super Bowl or bust for the 49ers. When you go to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback and you decide to move on from him, you have to be thinking the next step. The expectation has to be that Trey Lance coming in and replacing Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be pretty close to the Chiefs, what they did going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. You saw that team make that transition. That that year one, they ultimately didn't go to the Super Bowl. They lost in the AFC Championship game to Tom Brady. Something that certainly could happen this year uh, with the uh, the 49ers in the box. But I think that the expectation has to be that San Francisco is making this change. Moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who, when he played, had a very strong winning record. And the problem was he was just a game manager, didn't have enough moments where he stepped up and was the one who was leading the team, took advantage of a strong support system around him, and ultimately couldn't stay healthy back-to-back seasons, constantly missing time, whether it was freak ACL injuries or just lingering things that made him miss games here and there. And San Francisco is done with that by all accounts. We'll see if they're able to get any kind of compensation from him or if it's just going to be straight-up release and let someone else uh, try their luck with him. But that is what has to be the expectation. All that being said, I don't know if I'm 100% convinced that Trey Lance is going to do that. I think that the sample size is relatively small. It's a lot of play at North Dakota State. He had a few moments last year where he was able to come in and make some plays, but he also he started against the Arizona Cardinals and really didn't do a whole lot to excite people. But Mahomes in week eighteen against the chart or week seventeen against the Chargers in twenty seventeen really didn't do anything and came out through twelve touchdowns in his first two games or something crazy. So uh, I I yeah, think that last yep last year yeah Lance. 
like I, I had him as my uh, biggest newest addition. I'll make the biggest impact last year. And last year, it looked like he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, understandably, though. Yeah, of course. I think I, I think that that was kind of the expectation that the Niners are giving up a lot of capital, but they weren't ready to plug him in right away. That Jimmy would have to be the guy for most of, if not the entire 2021 season. With another comparison, you could also use is Lamar Jackson. You saw True. Him yeah. in his rookie season. He played more than uh-huh. Mahomes and Lance, but there were moments where he really flashed, and then there were times it's like, Jesus, can this guy even play? Mm-hmm. And he's on that playoff game of verse. Uh, I think Against it was the, the Chargers, Chargers yeah. yeah. And he really did not play well whatsoever in that game until maybe until it was too late. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, the next season he exploded and he wins mvp leads the league in passing MVP. yards so or, or it's not even just the mahomes example you could also use Lamar jackson mm-hmm. yeah for sure we've seen a lot of that in recent years with guys in year two uh stepping up and it and really helps MVP. that so it really helps that lance has a coach that's really great uh minded offensively because mm-hmm. mahomes has andy reed and he's probably the most qb friendly coach uh in in the nfl and then uh, Lamar Jackson, yeah, he Greg has Roman. John Harbaugh, who's well, been one of the best coaches in the league for a while, but he also has Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator, who was just perfect once the offensive coordinator with Kaepernick uh-huh. in San Francisco. And so, the, having having a great offensive mind coach like Shanahan uh, definitely helps mm-hmm. out Lance even more. Yeah, and it, I will say it will be a big disappointment if Lance doesn't come out and play well, and if this team doesn't, it, they don't have to go to the Super Bowl. Like that's what the expectation should be. But if this team doesn't look any better and Lance doesn't come out and show signs of like, oh, he can be like a really special quarterback in this league, then I think there'll be plenty of reasons to be concerned because of how much the Niners invested in him. So. Oh, absolutely. And and that's, I was not a big fan of this move initially, like making this trade. I was like, oof, okay. Uh, that is, we better be sure this is our guy. Uh, Only three first round picks, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, and and it's you know we and we did have a serviceable starter in Jimmy. You know, like uh, again, like looking at his winning record, it's nice to hear names like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen mentioned in the same breath as uh, Trey Lance, but small sample size, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, North Dakota State only played one game in twenty twenty. And then in 2021, we had two games where Trey Lance was one and one. He lost to the Cardinals. And I think you you're, you hit the nail on the head, Brian. He didn't look ready. I, I'm pretty sure Trey Lance either led the game, uh, it, the Niners, in rushing attempts or rushing yards in that game because so much of the offense was focused on quarterback keepers. And that seemed so different from what we normally do. And it almost seemed like a conservative approach to keep him from making the big mistakes, but that prevented us from winning in my opinion. And then we beat a bad Texans team with Trey Lance at the helm. Right. Uh, so it's like, we still haven't seen, it's not a lot of stock you could put into that game. That's right. Um, although I will mention, uh, I say all this basically to say quarterbacks don't grow on trees. It's probably more likely than not that Trey Lance won't be one of these generational talents because they're just so rare. But I I have to mention I still like the bold the bold decision uh, of how much they gave up to get him. Like yes, it's a lot, but it's like if they believe that he is the guy, then then all the power to them. Because yeah. when the Chiefs when the Chiefs uh when they got Mahomes, they traded up and they traded a lot to get him mm-hmm. too. And yeah, and so and I trust and there was and there was, mark at the and time, Deshaun Watson so. was still on the board. Yeah, 
and he was the more known guy coming off a national championship, but the Chiefs made the right call. Yeah, and and the uh, I I trust in Shanahan. He's made bold calls before, and I think you know it's his team, so we should. And it's his quarterback as well. Um, but I will say you have to trust the stats. And the first preseason game this year against the Packers, uh, Trey Lance went four of five for ninety-two yards and a touchdown. One hundred fifty-eight point three quarterback rating it's perfect perfect quarterback okay so Mm -hmm. the sky's the limit for trey lance and yeah i was watching some of that game and was uh very excited to see him there was well the the this you know the 49ers the sweaty 49ers fans who like pay attention all the stats were like oh this touchdown throw that trey lance threw in the preseason um was like the ball went further in the air than all but two Jimmy Garoppolo passes that he made in the last like three seasons or something. So it was some ridiculous stat about how Trey Lance can throw a deep ball with, with ease and Jimmy Garoppolo absolutely couldn't do that. So it's promising. He can, you know, he at least has the ability to do the things Jimmy couldn't. So onward and upward for the 49ers yeah, it just comes down to execution that's really all it is and if the execution is there then yeah the, the sky's the limit for that team so um let's talk about the other two teams now in the nfc west and both of them have had their fair share of i guess controversy in different ways this offseason one more so than the other i mean the seahawks controversy was they traded their longtime quarterback russell wilson to the denver broncos like we said Bobby Wagner was also released, now playing for the division rival Rams. They are seemingly headed toward a rebuild, and a lot of people have very low expectations for this team. On the flip side, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, kind of a PR nightmare <laughs> with the way their offseason has played out. Uh, you had the whole Kyler Murray contract extension situation, giving him a huge contract, but also putting in a clause saying he actually has to do independent study. He has to watch film. He can't just play video games all the time. Earlier in the off season at the draft, they traded their first round pick for Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, basically re- trying to keep Murray happy through all the drama going into that contract extension. And then a few days later, it was announced that DeAndre Hopkins would be missing the first six games of the season with a PED suspension. The Cardinals just in general, the past few seasons have gotten off to hot starts and then had things fall apart come October, November, December. Just last season, they started seven and no, and they ended their season with several losses and ultimately getting blown out by the Rams in a really disappointing fashion in the first round in the wildcard game. So that being said, we're going to combine these two teams, say, what is uh, the more likely scenario the Seahawks avoid bottoming out even without Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner or the Cardinals after everything they've gone through avoiding yet another end of season collapse my actual answer is neither (laughs) but if I'm forced to pick one option I guess I'll pick the Cardinals avoiding collapse because I think the Seahawks are going to absolutely suck (laughs) this year uh, Corey, you remember that scene in Moneyball where uh, Billy Bean, he's talking about like there are good teams, bad teams, and then there's 50 feet of crap, yes, and, then and then there's, there's us. us. <laughs> I think the Seahawks are one of those teams are just going to completely suck this year. I don't think they can win 
I don't know, four or five games, something like that. They're over-unders five and a half. I would take the under. I don't think they're going to be very good at all this year. Uh, when you have – when at the quarterback position, it's either Drew Locke or Geno Smith, and then combining that with one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They did draft Charles Cross in the at ninth overall to help their O-line, but still not a good O-line. Uh, so combining both a bad O-line and arguably the worst quarterback play in the league, that – is a recipe for a disaster for the Seahawks offense. And then defense, I, okay, they got Jamal Adams, but that trade has not worked out. And outside of him, there's it's just a really bad all-around defense everywhere. And, uh, man, outside of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, I literally don't like anything about this team. And uh, like I mentioned before when we were talking about the Broncos, I was a big Russell Wilson guy, still still am, and I think this year will prove that the success of Seattle had way, way more to do with Russell Wilson than Pete Carroll and his coaching. And look, they did have elite defenses in the in the past in the Legion of Boom, and they were probably the bigger reason why they won the Super Bowl and and almost repeated uh, several years ago. But I, I really thought as the year years went on, Russell Wilson was uh, obviously quarterbacks are important, but I thought Russell Wilson was are just so so vital to their team's success and I think they're going to be terrible this year and then so when it comes to Arizona though so you word this question as uh uh will they avoid another late season collapse uh that that means that Arizona's going to be good and then bad I don't even think they're going to be good period <laughs> like I don't think they'll be good enough to have a collapse I just think they're going to be consistently bad all year uh I talked about last year or 2020, that they were the most penalized team that year. And then last year, they were the fourth most penalized team. They were up there. They, they couldn't overtake the Cowboys in that stat because the Cowboys are the most undisciplined team ever. But the Cardinals commit a lot of penalties. And I think they're going to take a big step back defensively. No Chandler Jones. You can never count on J.J. Watt to ever be healthy. And kind of like the Seahawks, outside of Buda Baker, a, a good safety. Outside of him, I don't really like their defense either. They have a tough schedule. I think they'll be great for fantasy football, though, because they play in a dome, and they have a lot of uh, road games that are in a dome, and they're a fast-paced offense, and I don't think they have a good defense, so that's going to create for a lot of shootouts. And like I said, Corey, they got Marquise Brown in a trade, but they also don't have Hopkins for the first six games of the season. And, yeah, I, I don't like the Cardinals either. I, I don't think they'll be as bad as the Seahawks, but I don't I don't think the Cardinals are going to be very good either. You did make a similar comment last year about the Bengals being great in fantasy, but yeah, everything the else. Arizona Cardinals will be that team. And the Cardinals, they could try to be the third trade hey, team. Yeah, let's see if that Bowl. trend happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To answer the question, which one is more likely, uh, the Seahawks bottoming are, uh, the Seahawks not bottoming out or the Cardinals avoiding a late season collapse, I am right there with Brian. I think I'm I'm choosing that the Cardinals will avoid a late season collapse because I don't think the Cardinals even get above 500 at any point this season. Um, I, I think they start the season off with three L's in September against the Chiefs, the Raiders and the Rams. And then it's it's I don't think that they will come back from that, uh, especially starting off without Hopkins. I they have a really tough schedule and it's uh, I, I think I mean, it's not like the end of their season is that much easier either. Um, you know, they've got the Broncos and the Buccaneers and, and the Patriots in December as well. So it's like, I, I think that they will avoid the pressure of a collapse uh, without, because they won't be in a place to collapse at all. 
Exactly. And look, Kyler Murray has a lot of talent, and I, I, I feel like if he had the right coach, he could be more disciplined and win more football games. But I can't. I'm maybe I'm too negative uh, with with the with the PR hit that the Arizona Cardinals have taken with this whole uh, Kyler Murray situation with his contract and studying. But I don't. I don't think Kyler Murray's proved that he's really talented, but I don't think he's proven that he's a a winner at the quarterback position, really. And so, yeah, I'm I'm not high on Arizona. I'm a either. I'm a big Cliff Kingsbury doubter, so I I, yeah, I think same. I think that's <laughs> I the issue. Totally agree with that. Yes, I think that Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he got a contract extension. I I don't Which, understand that. Thank you. Um, you know, the good. <laughs> Keep him around. Yeah, no, from your perspective, I'm sure it's great. And honestly, I, yeah, I am extremely down on the Cardinals this season. Um, That being said, I can see a scenario where they do get above 500 and they do look like they can be a playoff team. I mean, you talk about those first three games, the next six are Panthers, Eagles, Seahawks, Saints, Vikings, Seahawks. So I think there are opportunities for them to kind of get things going there and then, after that like the games versus the seahawks yeah games against <laughs> seahawks i mean the panthers eagles and uh the saints are probably the two toughest both of those are at home so i, I like their chances of kind of getting on a roll but then rams 49ers in mexico chargers patriots denver tampa i'm sure they'll find a way to lose to atlanta in week 17 and then the niners and i don't know how you wanted to find collapse but in 2019 they started three three and one and finished five ten and one that feels like a collapse even if the expectations were relatively low and I think it's easy to look at the Seahawks and say they're going to be terrible this season because, like you said, they don't have a great roster. You did kind of overlook Quandre Diggs. He was a pro bowler last year. That's I'm excited true. about Noah Fant and what he can do. And uh, I like their – I'm intrigued by their running backs. Rashad Penny looked really good last year. Kenneth Walker was awesome at Michigan State last year. So I think that they do Already have, injured. Exactly. I mean, that is – yeah, that's fair. But uh, I do think they have – they have some options there, and I, I believe in Pete Carroll as a head coach more than I believe in Cliff Kingsbury. So part of me is like, yeah, I think the Seahawks should very much be in the running for the number one overall pick. Like just getting to four or five wins could be a lot, but I can also see a scenario. I don't know where it's just the Seahawks team. Yes, they, they've struggled in recent years. Yes, Russell Wilson is a huge part of their success. But I don't think it's all that crazy to think that this team and this culture could find a way to scrape through and get six or seven wins. And you know whether that's the best for the long term, I don't know. But also, I don't want to commit myself to the idea that um, Drew Locke or Geno Smith will be their starting quarterback this season. I don't think it's crazy to think that if the 49ers were released Jimmy Garoppolo, that he could come in there. Like we said, all he does is win. I think he can maybe find ways for Seattle to be okay. Uh, so part of me just wants to say the Cardinals because that's how much I hate them uh, and everything that's played out. But I, I also understand the point. They have to actually get off to a good start to collapse at the end of the season, and maybe that's asking too much of that team. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, regardless, I think overall this is a, a two-team division when it comes down to it. And um, Arizona will find some way to make sure that they're not part of that running. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's uh, talk about some new additions to this division that we believe could make the biggest impact. Okay. So for the AFC West, I went with a former Chicago Bear. For this division, I will also go with another former Chicago Bear because I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. 
Uh, I he certainly did not have a very uh, good season last year. Certainly one that he would like to forget. He he didn't produce when he was out there, and then he had COVID, and he really didn't come back after that, and it was a disaster for him. But now he's in with the LA Rams, and he's going to be in an offense that's really good and an and, and actual good quarterback because if you look at the list of quarterbacks Allen Robinson has had to play with, ever, dating back to his college days, he's played with Matt McGloin, Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and then Justin Fields uh, as a rookie behind a terrible O-line. So he has had n- really n- nothing yeah, uh, at the re- quarterback really, position. Really, really bad. And if Matthew Stafford is healthy, then it'll be the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played with. And I think I think he'll make an impact in the offense because they're gonna need him because like I've mentioned uh before, it it gets it they have a very top heavy roster that is really thin, but especially at wide out because Cooper Cup is awesome. But after that it gets dicey because Van Jefferson I don't think he's very good. Odell, they might get him back. We'll see, but even if they do get him back, he won't be ready until November, something like that. And Tyler Higby, he also has had injury concerns. He didn't even get to play in the Super Bowl. And then both their running backs have had injury concerns as well. And so they, they also traded Robert s- Woods back in March. And they traded so. Rob. Yeah. And Robert Woods tore his ACL last year. He also missed the Super Bowl. How did they win the Super Bowl? Missing <laughs> all those guys. But anyway, uh, yeah, Cup. he's now in Tennessee. And. They got to find something after Cup. And so I think Allen Robinson is going to be counted on a lot in their offense. And so I I think he's going to make a big impact for the Rams. So I'm going to go with him. So for my biggest addition to the division, um, I'm sticking with the 49ers. And, uh, you know, over the last few years, really ever since he was drafted by Jim Harbaugh, Jimmy Ward has been kind of an underrated safety for the 49ers. And uh, he recently made the NFL's top 100 list, voted by his peers as one of the top 100 players in the league. And I think the, uh, you know, the the 49ers noticed how impactful Jimmy Ward has been for them. So they decided, why not add another Ward? Uh, And they went to the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, they got Charvarius Ward, who, uh, you know, in a... I don't know. I've, I've seen some really promising statistics from him last season, uh, but I, I feel like it's hard to to really know what we're going to get in him. But the the for the amount that we are paying for him, uh, we're expecting him to be someone we can line up against number one options on the other team, uh, uh, you know, on the opposing team. And we just talked about all the weapons that are in the AFC West. Uh, guess who plays the AFC West this season? The NFC West. So the 49ers are going to be counting on Traverius Ward to, at the very least, be some form of resistance against the elite targets in the NFL. For the last, honestly, I can't even remember last time we had a true number one cornerback. And if Traverius Ward, I'm not asking for him to deny DeAndre Hopkins from catching the ball every snap, but if he can do more than just get embarrassed then I think that's all we need. You know, this pass rush, uh, you know, makes it tough for people to uh, hold on to the ball for very long. And if Charvarius Ward can come in and be an impactful starter for the 49ers secondary, then I think that makes a good defense even better. 
So Alan Robinson and Traverius Ward were the first two names I wrote down. Uh, I was <laughs> not necessarily expecting uh, Ben to pass on an opportunity to call out his own guy, just to throw out some stats. So Ward, since 2019, 49.8% completion percentage in coverage, lowest in the NFL, minimum 150 attempts. And as great as the 49ers defense is, they allowed a 68.3% opponent completion percentage last season, 29th in the league, 97.4 opponent passer rating, 25th. So Ward, I think, would be a very impactful player if he can come in and continue that success. And just Josh another... Norman played a lot of meaningful <laughs> snaps in our secondary uh, last season. So just to give you an idea of what we were working with. Yeah, and I saw Jason Verrett is already on the pup list to start the season. So another one kind of looked like he could have do something in 2020, but those injuries are back. Um, so I guess just to throw out a third guy, we've talked about him a little bit recently. How about Marquise Hollywood Brown? I mean, the Cardinals gave up first round pick for him for a reason, right? They want to make Kyler Murray happy. He's going to be relied on a lot early those first six games without DeAndre Hopkins. If him and if Murray and Brown can kind of have that spark, this offense can get going then I think that's what's going to be needed for the Cardinals to be back in the position they were last season as a playoff team. Uh, if Brown is just continues to be the player who, oh, he looks like he could be a good player, but he just hasn't put it all together. He hasn't lived up to the billing of both being a first-round pick and still being valued as a first-round pick in the draft uh, with this this recent trade. I, I think that the that's just another reason to be like the Cardinals are just not going to be good this year. Well, so. yeah, but a guy like Hollywood Brown, he's so fast. I mean, he's he is, yeah, really fast. It's criminal how fast he is. I, I mean, has anybody ever <laughs> clocked him while he's going really fast? Honestly, it's it should be against the law to go that fast. Yeah, so uh, you're referencing that DUI, which I completely overlooked when I was talking about everything. I, I remember when that happened, like thinking, like immediately, like, uh oh, are the Cardinals going to have to like move on from him? And then I remembered, well, no, his cousin Antonio went a hundred just down a residential street in Pittsburgh and nothing happened to him. So <laughs> DUI is not, or uh, speeding is not going to be enough. Speeding. And, yeah. Not, well, de- not DUI. <laughs> DUI is their general manager. Steve Kime got clocked one for a few years ago and he also got a contract ascension. So the, the Cardinals probably wouldn't have, uh, gotten rid of him over DUI either. <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. Crazy. We're if fine. Steve, yeah. If Steve Kime be like, Hey, sorry, I got to cut you as, uh, he's like hiding his, uh, his own rap sheet on the, the table. So, <laughs> so none of us picked Bobby Wagner. <laughs> no, I thought about picking Bobby Wagner, but I, I don't know. I guess my thought with the Rams was Allen Robinson was more impactful given who he's, you know, you, you talked about it needing to replace two guys in a way. So yeah. And all those quarterbacks he's, he's played. I forgot Andy yep. Dalton too. <laughs> yeah, true. I know you had Andy Dalton for uh, a little oh my bit. God, Allen Robinson has played with literally the worst quarterbacks. <laughs> uh-huh. But I mean, so. I, uh, well, for the record, I think Bobby Wagner still has a lot in the tank, uh, especially mm-hmm. at the position that he plays. A lot of what he brings to the table is just being uh, kind of a field general. Uh, you know, he, he he's smart. And uh, I, even if he maybe has lost a step uh, from the, you know, what he had in his youth, he's still a great linebacker. So I think there's some people who might think, oh, he's past his prime. The Seahawks got all the value out of him, and, and he's washed up at the Rams. I think you can still be a little bit washed up and be a good middle linebacker if you're doing the things that Luke Keekley did and, and the kind of things where you're like being a galaxy brain out there and making the defense better because it's under your direction. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, he's another guy that, that's going to have a, a big impact and 
the the Rams would be asking a lot of him. So, all right, I guess uh, let's wrap up our NFC West talk with a bold prediction for this division. Like I mentioned when we talked about the South Division, I didn't have any bold, really any good bold calls. So I'm gonna have two bold calls again for this division. The first one's probably not as bold since all three of us are down on the team, but I'm going to say the Arizona Cardinals win-loss record-wise will be the biggest fallers from last season to this season, which will also lead to a, even though he got a contract extension, Cliff Kingsburg firing. <laughs> I think that's, no, that's definitely a bold prediction. Um, you yeah. know, the, even though they just extended him. I, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know why they... I don't know why he's still the coach. <laughs> I don't think he's a very good coach. And then my second call, uh, bold call. This one's definitely bold. Uh, I I think I think Trey Trey Lance fits perfectly with the offensive scheme that Kyle Shanahan runs, and he's got the weapons to succeed as well because they're going to be an extremely run heavy offense. And Debo Samuel is not only a pass catcher but a great, pretty good running back as well. And Brandon Ayuk is another guy who's very good with the yards after the catch and is also a good deep threat, which I think Trey Lance can provide better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And then George Kittle, he might not be the like the best fantasy tight end, but I think when he real life tight end, pass catching and blocking, I I still think he's arguably the best when you don't factor in fantasy and you factor in real life. And so that's a perfect complement of weapons for Trey Lance. And they don't have the great offensive, the greatest offensive line, like Ben mentioned, but they still have the best left tackle in the game in Trent Williams. And I think he's going to be awesome this year. And uh, Ben mentioned Justin Herbert as his MVP. I think Justin Herbert will be second because my MVP choice is Trey Lance. And double da- doubling down on this, uh, t- about 10 years ago, we saw the Harbaugh Bowl. And I think this year we will see the Bosa Bowl, Chargers Niners in the Super Bowl. Dang. Right. rematch of Super Bowl twenty nine. Uh, we haven't had that second year MVP the past couple of seasons with Aaron Rodgers winning it, so that would be a a reversion to that trend uh, after Wentz, Mahomes, and Jackson won it. Yeah, in a row. Uh, and that's another trend, like I mentioned earlier, with Mahomes in his first year as a full-time starter but second year in the, in the league and then Lamar just like Lamar Jackson too oh and I guess Carson Wentz didn't technically win it but he was on pace to win oh, yeah it. and that, I, I guess Carson Wentz yeah. will include him but, I, but mm-hmm. not the best comparison but I, I know what you mean yep. but yeah so yeah those are pretty bold I guess wow I'm <laughs> loving your takes today Brian is we've been on the same page I love this so for my bold predictions uh, this first one, it's it's this is truly alive on all the 49ers social media, but Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the hype is through the roof for him. They're like, he's even better than he was before, and he was already really good. So I'm taking Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. I think he uh, is going to go wild this year. And then, uh, and then something slightly more bold. In fact, probably the boldest thing I've said so far uh, is coming up right here. So here it goes. I think that the 49ers will get something in exchange for Jimmy G. <laughs> wow. Okay. That is that actually is extremely bold because the latest news is that Kyle Shanahan thinks it's only a matter of time before he's released. I love it. The, the 49ers have been like bluffing so hard where they're like, oh, oh, like 
the the rumor is that people are interested in him. <laughs> Everyone is like, <laughs> yeah. I want, who? Who is saying that? <laughs> and like, if the 49ers, I, I, I really don't know. I, I like the as long as I've followed the NFL, the way that salaries work still baffles me. So I don't know if there's like a salary incentive for us to cut him at any point in the near future, like before the season starts. I, I really don't know. Because they're not even wanting him to be the backup. Like, it's not like, oh, we'll just keep him. He'll come in if Trey Lance gets hurt or, uh, God forbid, he plays really badly. <laughs> we decide not to use him. <laughs> um, like, we've had uh, Nate Sudfeld and Brock, Brock Purdy, Purdy uh, yeah, he's playing in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the 49ers are fully moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. But... If they hold on to him this season, I could see another team that's a competitor taking an injury, not wanting to give up on the season, and trading for Jimmy. So if he's still somehow on the, I don't again, I don't even know if that's a realistic thing to to expect for the 49ers to pay him his salary to not even play football. Uh, but if they do, I think he's good enough for a nice conditional seventh round pick uh, in exchange for his services. <laughs> I, I think he could go for more than that if a team is desperate enough to trade for him because right now the problem with this market is that there is not a team that's desperate I think that there is a belief that the Browns were going to be but with the Sean I was Watson say the Browns could use him but, they, but he's only suspended for 11 games I, I, I think know. it made sense of as a whole season but I don't know if they and, would and Brissett's pretty good yeah I think that they're committed to Jacoby Brissett at this point and again that was really a lot of speculation I think there's so many teams that people want to try to say oh Garoppolo makes sense of this team. Like some people are saying, the Steelers. Like, why would the Steelers sign oh, Trubisky? The Steelers would not make sense. Yeah, and, sign and Trubisky, I, draft that I love Trubisky, but like, it wouldn't make sense based got, on the moves they made for them to decide to go to Jimmy. So. They got two guys that could be the starter mm. this year. Yeah, so, and I, I think that sense. there are a few other teams that are in that that boat. So I do think it's bold to say that the Niners aren't just going to have to release Jimmy Garoppolo uh, because it, it feels like that's the direction it's heading. So. Um, I guess I hate to continue with the Niners bowl predictions, but uh, mine is that I believe that the 49ers are going to lead the NFL in rushing yards this season. Last year they were seventh, so it's not crazy bold, but uh, I think that that's just another thing that Trey Lance adds to this offense, both his ability to run himself. And we see with the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, it doesn't matter whether it's him or one of their running backs. And we know that the 49ers have, had success historically plugging in guys, whether it's Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr. Doesn't sound like Trey Sermon's uh, really wowing anybody. And then you also have Tyron Davis-Price, who so they use a third-round pick on this year. Debo Samuel, even Kyle Juszczyk, uh, the, their fullback, uh, one of the most exciting fullbacks in the league. So I think that the Niners are going to find a way to go from a very good rushing team to the best rushing team. And one that I didn't necessarily go into this saying that I was going to do, but... Um, I've convinced myself that why not just go for it? I'm going to say my other bold prediction is that I will in late January or early February get a text from our guest host, Benjamin Carlson, asking me if I have plans for the Super Bowl and if I want to come over and watch the 49ers with him. Let's go. Very specific. (laughs) Yes. And I'm going to, of course, say, no, I don't want to ruin our friendship. I'm going to watch it with my fellow Steelers fans. Thanks (laughs) to the invite. (laughs) I just got an excellent. I just mounted my TV in my living room. It is going to be a great place to watch football. So you're welcome. Nice. Any Sunday 
uh, when I'm also there. Yeah. (laughs) Ben, did you expect all three of us to be this high on your team? No, I I honestly didn't. (laughs) And it's interesting to hear, uh, you know, you guys' perspective on Trey Lance because uh, while I do feel like in general the expectations for him are pretty positive, he's still an unknown commodity. So mm-hmm. uh, oh, there's, oh, there's sure. definitely downside. Yeah. I'm not going to deny no, that. And there are a lot of people <laughs> who don't want to buy into him. Like they want to see it play out. But and I, I think, think that that's, I think it's totally justified. You know, I don't uh, know how I would feel. I was a big Patrick Mahomes doubter. I was a big Josh yep, Allen doubter. Same. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I know. You, yes. I'm, I'm definitely there's some homerism here. Uh huh. No, and I, I totally get that. And I think that, uh, you know, just the trend over the years, we've seen it happen where these quarterbacks that are, oh, there's a lot of potential there, but they haven't necessarily shown it in their early rookie stages, just seeing what they do in their second year. I think it's easy to think that Trey Lance is a guy who fits that mold and can do the same thing. So uh, that that's, yeah. I know it, it's it's crazy um, in some ways to say that a team with a quarterback who is that unknown of a commodity is going to get past some of the other teams. If you look at the NFC, all the veteran leadership at the quarterback position, and I don't know. I think it's easy to look at the 49ers roster and say if Trey Lance is a guy that the 49ers think he is, then they they should be a Super Bowl team this year. So. Anyway, um, enough talking about your favorite football team. Let's talk about everything you've done the last 10 days here with our <laughs> five question segment. So uh, what we normally do with these is have our guest host come up with a top five. And it became very apparent from your suggestions for a top five that Brian and I wouldn't really be able to contribute to these. You just wanted an excuse to talk about your European trip. So uh, I guess we can kind of get into it here. And before we start asking the questions, why don't you just tell us all a little about, uh, you know, where you have been and, you know, what what your uh, your life has been like. Yeah. So I as I speak to you now, I am currently on sabbatical. Uh, my employer is generous enough to offer me some uh, paid time off. So I am, uh, you know, currently not going to work for four consecutive weeks, uh, which started, like Corey said, about 10 days ago. And I started that off by taking a trip to Europe. So I went to three countries. I went to Greece, I went to Sweden, and I went to England. And I was basically in just one major city per country. Uh, In Greece, I was in Athens most of the time. In Sweden, I was in Stockholm pretty much the whole time. And then in England, I was in London uh, pretty much the whole time. So uh, that's kind of the, the, notice the pattern as we go through these questions. They're going to relate a lot to uh, that trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice, nice 10-day trip to Europe. Uh, Not as life-altering as a trip to the Siegel Center, but uh, it it sounds like you did a lot of cool stuff. There's a little shout out to the college basketball John Ross scene fans there. He's... (laughs) Super obsessed with college basketball. Always says that a trip to the Siegel Center is like a 10-day, is more life-altering than a 10-day trip to Europe. And I can't think of the term 10-day trip to Europe without thinking wow. of that. <laughs> it's VCU Rams basketball. Uh, anyway, let's get started with your, well, our first question. So uh, and this is something I think that both Brian and I will answer as possible. Uh, and this one is, what are some of your favorite things you've done in London? So, uh, number one, if, you know, if, uh, 
I know this is an audio medium, but you guys can see me. I'm decked out in my Crystal Palace gear. Uh, and my my favorite thing I've done in London was, it's technically South London, but still London, uh, was to go to a Crystal Palace game at Selhurst Park. Uh, I just went to my first game ever this past Saturday, and it was absolutely electric. Yeah, You know, I love my American football. I go to college football game, pro football games pretty much every year. But the atmosphere at the Premier League games is just different. Uh, the community that these stadiums are literally just in the neighborhood that these people live in. There's people literally walking across the street, out their front door, and then into the, the stadium, just crossing one street. And there's literally a grocery store that's part of Selhurst Park because most of the time there's not a game going on. It's so they need that space for other stuff. So it was really cool to be a part of that, to sing all the different songs and to witness a win. Crystal Palace got the three, one dub over Aston Villa, their first win of this premier league campaign. And uh, it was, it was really cool. A class brace from Wilfred Zaha. It was awesome. So that's definitely my favorite thing. Getting to get that genuine, fan experience in london is definitely my favorite thing um but enough about my specific team um (laughs) other things i uh, my favorite things i've done in london definitely my pilgrimage to big ben as a benjamin myself that's probably the most famous ben out there uh definitely as far as structures go uh big ben is is leading the pack so it's awesome to go to big ben and get my picture taken with another notable ben the British Museum is really cool and also free, so uh, highly recommend. You, you can't do it in one day, so I recommend just going in there and uh, you know walking around till your feet hurt. Uh, I really loved doing that. This I've I've been three times now, and uh, also watching football in a pub, just going to a pub, getting you know fish and chips, ordering a pint, and watching whatever is on. I, I watched Manchester City. Uh, versus Newcastle, which was a, a cracker of a match. Uh, it was a three-three tie, which you know Newcastle really defied the expectations there against a powerful Manchester City side. And finally, I'll give you guys a, a moment to talk here, but I'll just add one more <laughs> on there. Afternoon tea. This last time that I was in London, we got reservations at this like really classy hotel to do afternoon tea. And it was this restaurant that was inside the hotel, but we were like, we have reservations for afternoon tea. And they're like, oh, you're in like this other room. And it was like really posh and nice in there. And we had little finger sandwiches and obviously tea with milk and like the sugar cubes. And then we had uh, scones with clotted cream and jelly. And then all these little pastries that look like they were straight from the British Bake Off. It was amazing it was like a 90 minute experience i waddled out of there uh after having like completely gorged myself on uh on pastries and tea and also champagne they also give you champagne oh nice uh, i guess at afternoon tea we did the traditional one so i guess that's traditional but it was it was amazing and it felt very authentically uh you know english so yeah something that sounds for sure and it sounds awesome i don't know that i would love the tea part of the afternoon tea but the pastries and the champagne sounds like a pretty good use of 90 minutes for me 
Yes. Oh, I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, I was there with my girlfriend and, and like the only thing I would say that like it was missing was more people because we saw some mm-hmm. of the other parties that were there. It looked like a great way to spend an afternoon with your family, a great opportunity to catch up with friends because the, the waiter only comes once. Like they take your order for like specifically which tea you want, but then everything else they just serve. And then you spend the rest of the 90 minutes just enjoying it. So I highly recommend um, you know, and shout outs to my girlfriend, Liesl, for setting this up because it was not my idea, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you're in, if you're in London, get you some afternoon tea. So I went to London six years ago and I went with Kenny and a few other friends. And not only did we go to just to London, but we also went to parts of Italy and it was a lot of fun. Uh, in London, if I had to pick one thing that was my f- favorite uh, experience, uh, I am probably the most casual Harry Potter fan uh, out there. But I will say the Harry Potter Warner Brothers studio was a really great experience. And I'm someone that is not really into tours, uh, looking at things. But anyone that is even remotely likes Harry Potter have to travel there. It was a very great experience. Uh, uh, definitely, definitely a lot of cool things to uh, to check out there, and it's and the place is massive. That's probably my favorite thing. Uh, one story I remember in London. Uh, I told this to Corey, uh, but I, I don't think I told Ben. Is one time uh, we went to Buckingham Palace, and it was a nice bright sunny day. We were just yeah, we were at Buckingham Palace, and all of a sudden there are these cars on the street, and we were wondering what the heck is going on. And all of a sudden, uh, if you guys have ever seen the show Friends, uh, Joey Tribbiani, uh, Matt, LeBlanc, Matt LeBlanc, or LeBlanc, he was in one of the cars. He was doing some some car show. I don't know what exactly what the name of the show was, but he was doing a show like in London at the time. And we were literally like, I don't know, 10 feet away from him. And he looked at us and we didn't talk to him or anything, uh-huh. but it was... Just the fact that he was there. We didn't plan this at all. Uh, Yeah. Just the fact that he was there. He was my favorite, probably my, either him or Chandler, one of my favorite characters on the show Friends. And just the fact that he was there, (laughs) didn't plan it whatsoever. It was just, was the coolest thing to see him uh, actually in person, uh, not even planning it. And so that's definitely a a great memory I have uh, going to London. And then, yeah, like Ben mentioned, fish and chips and uh, never had tea, but that, I guess that would be something I would do if I ever went back. Another thing I would like to do if I ever went back to London, uh, I'm not a hardcore tennis fan, but I always like tuning into Wimbledon and watching uh, watching Wimbledon and hoping one day Novak Djokovic can finally, finally lose. And it just never, ever, <laughs> uh, ever happens. And I was, even though I'm not like the biggest Nick Kyrgios fan, I was really rooting for him. And then it got to a point where it's just like, yeah, Djokovic is going to win. And, so I like tuning into Wimbledon uh, every year, and I think it'd be a really cool experience to attend Wimbledon. I'm sure the ticket prices would be absurd, but uh, I, I I don't know something about that tournament. I always it makes me drawn uh, to watch it. So yeah, I mean, uh, if I ever went back, that'd be something that'd be one of the the more iconic um, really arenas and events and across sports. Um, Center court. Yep, yep, and uh, you have some berries and cream with the queen and the crowd. So, uh, yeah, so you initially threw out this uh, top five things to do in London. And I was like, 
I could probably come up with a list of things, uh, try to have fun with it, just based on what I've seen on uh, you know, TV and movies and stuff. My closest experience to going to London was the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando, Florida at Universal <laughs> Studios. <So laughs> I guess, you know, Brian talking about the Harry Potter thing. Yeah, that sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if I were to ever go, I love the idea of at least going to a pub and having some pints and watching uh, the the local lads play or just any any lads really um, I've I've tried to become a fan of like English Premier League enough to the point where I sort of understand what's going on I know that Manchester United is having a bit of a rough season they did just beat Liverpool but uh, one thought I had was it'd be fun to uh, protest a football team there because it seems like that's <laughs> a huge thing that happens like sounds like a great time now I'm hearing oh Manchester United fans want to protest the Glazer family in Tampa, take it to the uh, the football team. That sounds like a, a fun idea of like being that hated of this team. I'm like, I would love to do that for the Pirates and Bob Dudding if I could find a way to protest him. Uh, this is not like the same they... league, but didn't John Henry get uh, get protested in soccer, something soccer wise? Oh, probably. I mean, they all hate the fact that these teams are owned by corporations and billionaires that aren't from from England. So I'm sure that he's one of the many that have had uh, problems there. I and, forgot what it was. He just came up with some crazy idea and everyone just hated it. Oh wait, was it the, uh, the, um, the super league? Was that him? I think that's what it was. That's yeah. probably it. Yeah. I mean, that, that got shut down within like two days, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Uh, meanwhile, the NCAA is going to get ruined, like everything about college sports. And we're just like, oh, we just have to. You mean when they it. have the big 16 in a yeah, couple of years? Exactly. <laughs> like they're talking about getting rid of the NCAA tournament. And it's just like, well, OK, I guess that that's a, a thing that's going to happen. Um, and then I guess you mentioned Big Ben, just checking the time. I mean, if you're going to have a clock that big, it's going to be this big of a sight to see. That that must be a thing that people love to do in London. So Yeah, especially because uh, you're in Greenwich Mean Time, which is plus yeah, zero. The, that's exactly. that's that the, time the time that it actually is. The rest of us yes. are just going, you know, we are all made in up. reference to that. Uh, yes. Yeah, we but we are making it up, right? We're like, oh, it's yeah. this time, but it really is Greenwich Mean Time, and we're just uh, fooling ourselves. Yes. Yes, it is. It's all Greenwich Mean Time. It's all Big Ben. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, London is a place that I would like to go to. It's not on my immediate list of places if I do make a trip out to Europe one of these days. But uh, seems like a kind of place you should try to go to if you get an opportunity. So, um, but yeah, I, I guess that's all I have for London. Let's talk about another place that uh, our guests went to recently. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two. What are some of your favorite foods that are a staple of Mediterranean cuisines? So being in Athens, obviously seeing the sights was big. You know, the Acropolis. Uh, we went on an island tour, uh, like Catamaran. That was cool. But the main draw for me was the food and we ate good. So I'm just going to rattle off some of the authentic Greek cuisine that we got to try. And um, st- like, spoiler alert, it was all really delicious. So I, I'm just going to go okay. ahead and blanket statement for everything about the list off. Uh, so first thing we had, it was called uh, strapatsada, which is like tomatoes, scrambled eggs, and feta on bread. 
it's kind of like an afternoon snack. Uh, we also okay. had phyllo wrapped baked feta with honey and sesame seed. It's like a big chunk of feta cheese with, you guys know what baklava is and, yes. and like the yep. lamination on baklava, all those layers. Mm-hmm. So it's like a big block of feta cheese wrapped in that with honey and sesame seeds on top of it. Appetizer, delicious. Lamb shank. Uh, which is basically just a big chunk of lamb on a bone uh, that is served with uh, potatoes, which was really good. Then moussaka, which is kind of looks like lasagna, but it's eggplant and tomato with minced meat, uh, which is usually lamb, topped with this white sauce, this really thick layer of uh, white sauce. Greek salad, which was tasted even better in Greece. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm What do like, they call it there? Is it just salad or? <laughs> they might have a, a Greek word for it. All the menus that we got were in English. I will say this. Oh, okay. Even if you don't uh-huh. speak Greek, Athens is a great place to go. And I'm sure the other places in Greece as well um, are great places to go if you're just an English speaker because they are very welcoming to tourists. They are definitely ready to like uh, tourism is a big deal in Greece I've gathered and they are really, they're ready to help you out even if all you speak is English. Uh, So it's, it was a place where it was not a problem. They got us the English menus. Everybody pretty much spoke English anyways, even if it was clearly their second language, they could communicate, Uh you know, ordering food or, you know, whatever you needed. So that was something I really appreciate about Athens. I felt so welcomed there. Uh, in, in Athens, right. as it's, in America. It's good to know for uh, any future trips to, to Mykonos, if I yeah, you know, yeah. want to take my yacht out there one day. Yes. That sounds like a, a good to know that they actually can, I can communicate with them by yeah. speaking English. So. It was it was really easy. Um, so continuing down this list, souvlaki, which was probably my favorite new Greek dish that I've, or food that I haven't had before, uh, which is basically skewered meat that's like seasoned. And it's apparently fast food like you probably could get it on a street cart or something but we had it in multiple restaurants it was very good uh tzatziki which you know if you've uh ever been to a greek restaurant you've probably had tzatziki sauce um grilled octopus which was not something that i had even heard about until i was in greece but it was absolutely delicious a little bit revolting to look at but so yeah like you thought so well just because of the tentacle yeah i mean it looks freaky But okay. it tasted great, and I, I really enjoyed it. Baklava, I already had a love for baklava before I even stepped foot in Greece, but baklava's mm-hmm. good. Greek yogurt, <laughs> which... Oh, I yeah, good point. <laughs> which, oh, yeah, I like Greek yogurt. Little yeah. known fact. I love Greek yogurt. <laughs> yeah. It's Greek. Yeah. Um, I had, like, for one of my breakfasts, I got a Greek yogurt that was, like, basically Greek yogurt and honey, and it was so good. It was just, like, a big old bowl of it. Uh, and then, uh, finally... Lamb gyro, uh, because uh, that's a classic and it's delicious. And you can get it with chicken, but I prefer lamb. So there you go. There's my l- extensive list. And those are all the different things that we ate in Athens. Gosh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, so one of the ideas I had was that you two would do a top five things to do in London. And then we would do, me and Ben, a top five Mediterranean foods, mostly because... <laughs> I didn't want to limit myself to Greek because I've also never been to Greece. And I figured there's a lot of things that I just couldn't throw out there. 
so that was why I pose this as Mediterranean. But there's there's probably a lot of blend between Greece and food that you can get in other parts of the Mediterranean, like in Turkey or even all the way out to Italy, Spain. Um, so my top five uh, at number five because it didn't even occur to me that this is Greek food, Greek yogurt. I have Greek <laughs> yogurt pretty much every day for breakfast these days. I'm probably going to have a, a Greek yogurt uh, after we're done recording here just uh, to get some food in my stomach before bed. Uh, at number four, fried squid is pretty big. Calamari, big fan of that. I don't know how it necessarily differs in the Mediterranean versus what I've had here in the United States, but that was repeatedly coming up as some type of Mediterranean food, so I figured I can throw it into my top five. Um, at number three, lamb gyro. Ben had just mentioned it. So I'm sure you're a little surprised for me to say lamb specifically because in college, I would always get a chicken gyro from Sahara Restaurant. We would go. They had a $5 gyro and fries deal. But I just didn't like when they sliced the lamb instead of having the actual lamb I don't know what the right term to describe it is, but how you would normally expect to have a lamb gyro. So I would just get chicken because I knew what it would be. Uh, but in general, if it's a good gyro, lamb gyro, love the uh, the tzatziki sauce with it. And then, you know, of course, all the veggies as well. Number two, a Greek salad. I actually had one for lunch today. Not going to lie, mostly because we were doing this uh, topic here. Uh, my mom offered to get me food, and I said, oh, Greek salad actually sounds really good. And it was awesome. I had a chicken to it. I will say I love black olives. I think Kalamata olives are disgusting. Whenever I get Greek salad, I get it without the olives. Other than that, I'll get everything else on it. And then my number one, which in a way feels like a stretch because I don't know if it necessarily think of it as a Mediterranean food, but... Naples is, in fact, on the Mediterranean Sea, so I'm going to count it anyway. Neapolitan pizza. I don't know that I would put it above Brooklyn-style pizza, but in terms of consistency, Neapolitan, I know what I'm going to get every time. I think it's amazing. Uh, Neapolitan margarita pizza, can't beat it. Buffalo mozzarella with tomato sauce, basil. That's one of my favorite things to have. Uh, I've started buying the, uh, the Newman's own Neapolitan margarita pizza in grocery stores. I think it's relatively new and I, I love getting Neapolitan pizza whenever it's an option. I definitely just had it recently somewhere. I can't think of where, but my favorite Neapolitan pizza I've had is Frank Pepe's very famous Neapolitan pizza place that's based in New Haven. So I think it's kind of a New Haven style pizza. They are kind of throughout New England. I've only had it a couple times at the Burlington Mall, but it is it's incredible food. And uh, I've, I've gotten margarita Neapolitan there and I, I loved it. And uh, definitely hoping that my mom and I make a trip there on my drive back to the, to the airport next week because it is on the way there. And that's the only time I've had it. So uh, <laughs> definitely going to convince myself that's what I should do. Just talking about it. And um, Brian, I don't think that you're a big fan of most Mediterranean Probably cuisine. not. No, yeah. at Greek yogurt, I like. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Pita bread is that? Is that? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, of course. Definitely. Yeah, I like that yeah. too. I, I could not come up with five things though. No. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of hummus. I don't know how you feel about hummus, Ben. Oh, I, I love hummus. Hummus is good. You do. I think most people do. Yeah, I'm just. I don't know what it is. Just like a vegetable based dip. It just not doesn't appeal to me. See, for um, me, football I've, season, that's that's hummus season. It's a very know? healthy snack for football, yeah. way better than most football season snacks. So, <laughs> yeah, more power to anyone who is a fan of it. 
Uh, all right, so number three, this was a top five that I was never going to consider because I have I know Brian and I would have no way how to answer it. This is only a question oh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> what are the best ways to get around Stockholm? And and this is kind of a trick question because the, yeah. one of the things that Stockholm does so well is uh, public transit. There's a litany of choices to get from point A to point B within Stockholm, and here's all the different ways you can get around walking the sidewalks are huge the uh like like actually walking around in the city is so easy and accessible even for like wheelchairs and um you know people who uh you know have different ways of getting around they there's a lot of ramps and uh like even just going across the street there's consistently the ability to like roll down as opposed to you know stepping down a curb biking as well so many bike lanes uh i did a bike tour three hour bike tour of stockholm where we were going on the roads there and the bike lanes are big they're clearly marked and they get priority over cars so it's easy to get around and doesn't feel dangerous Uh, honestly the most dangerous thing in the bike lane was the other people on our tour who clearly hadn't been on a bike in a while and sucked at riding bikes but if they, you know, with a rudimentary ability to ride a bike, you can get around Stockholm, which is pretty freaking cool. It, like it wasn't like I'm, I'm pretty squeamish about riding a bike in traffic. Was not mm-hmm. something I was even concerned about uh, while I was there. Very easy to get around on a bike. How about a ferry? They, there's a lot of water uh, in Stockholm. It's a series of islands. I think it's 14 islands. And oh, interesting. Yeah, and you can get around on the ferry. Like the ferry is part of their public transportation. Uh, you know the schedule, all that stuff. And uh, we we rode the ferry to get from one island to another. Uh, and it wasn't required. We just decided to go that path because that's the other thing too. All of these are kind of equally accessible ways to get around. Um, you know, maybe if it's uh, you know, you don't want to walk a certain distance or maybe it's raining and you don't you don't want to be outside, then you could choose something else. Like, for instance, the metro, uh, which is underground and Stockholm, they like describe their metro system as the world's biggest like art museum because each metro stop is unique it looks different it's covered in art and they're all kind of like specifically designed to be really interesting so just stopping at a metro stop it's beautiful there Um, and they're very timely and clean and just safe so the metro stop probably the best way to get around honestly but you know one of many good options they also have trains Uh, if you're going out like further out of stockholm really is when you'd want to ride the train uh, above ground going to go like for instance to get to the airport uh, but you know again they're they're coming every few minutes and you can get further away from the city on the train street cars they have uh you know street cars which are essentially buses but they you know they have rails that are in the street um they come every few minutes as well like honestly any bus stop uh or street car stop you had one coming like every seven to eight minutes so if you missed it you could easily get on the next one um, and then finally, the bus, which I is kind of right there with the streetcar. Some of the stops for the buses were just like hybrid streetcar slash bus stops. Um, and we got these three-day passes while we were there that gave us access to all of this. 
So we could ride the ferry, we could ride the metro, we could ride the streetcar, we could ride the bus. Uh, it all goes through the same system, and you just get on it. If you're not sure how to get there, you Google Maps it, and Google Maps will give you all the steps uh, and like when they're coming for each one, and uh, and you just go. It, the the only problem we had with the public transit was that it was too good, and we kept on arriving too early at the places we wanted to go, um, and and it was it was uh, like too pleasant. Uh, while we were there, we were in such a, a good mood that it was uh, almost unbearable. Uh, so those are the great ways that you can get around <laughs> Stockholm. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of public transit, and I figure there'd be a lot of options for that there if you wanted to throw this out there. And it, it sounds like it's a very easy city to to navigate and get around. So. Yeah, so like Athens and London, both very touristy cities. There were cities mm-hmm. where I had a great time like seeing the sights and like, wow, uh, I, I've seen pictures of this and now I'm seeing it in person. Stockholm was more like, okay, this is where I'd like to live. <laughs> yeah. um, so that that was kind of the difference. It was really nice to, to, uh, to get to see that uh, and see what a, a well-planned out city could really be like. When yeah, you were so. discussing all the ways to get around Stockholm, the entire time I was looking at just images <laughs> going to google <laughs> images of stockholm sweden and it's like yeah it looks like a beautiful place to visit it is yeah it really is it looks like a great place to live um so uh, it's definitely on my list i don't know how how easy it is to move to sweden but um, uh, that's i mean it, it's it's an amazing place okay question number four i'm going back to sports a little bit but should the nfl add a franchise in london and other european cities uh for me this is an easy one no <laughs> uh the travel <laughs> across the atlantic is brutal going back and forth between continents is totally unnecessary the only way i could see like having a team in london be an option would be if we started a whole other league that was purely european and then we would have like international competition every so often where it's like maybe we have like the super deluxe bowl where you have the winner of the European league play the American league. Or maybe it's like every four years we do the World Cup or something like that. But I can't justify having the 49ers go to the literal other side of the planet to play football against one team. Not to mention that that team would be screwed with their away games. Oh, so, yeah. It, w- it, would be, it would be bad for that team, as bad as it is for everyone else. I think it's an easy no. I love the setup right now where you send teams internationally. I like that they're expanding into Germany, maybe possibly some other countries out there. That should be enough for those fans. We don't ask for them to have a Premier League team in the U.S. I think it's fair for us to say we'll keep our teams in the U S and we'll send a few of them out every year Um, between the travel aspect, as well as just, it wouldn't be fair for those teams out there because they're not going to have any kind of a leg up in free agency. When you factor in like the taxes and everything that would be handled differently. I just can't see a lot of people wanting to go out there uh, for their American football careers and, uh, yeah, I mean, it it does seem like a very easy no to this question. Yeah, I, I'm also an easy no. Reason why I brought this question is one, I wanted to see if you guys would say anything differently. <laughs> but two, uh, the reason I bring up this question is because uh, before we start recording, I talked with Ben about our Vegas trip, all three of us, when we went back in uh, last year in October. 
or late September, early October. And one thing that I loved and that I would do again if we went back is I would absolutely, if it was during football season, I would absolutely get up early again and and go to the sports book and watch football all day. I really enjoyed that. It was awesome to watch football at 10 in the morning. And uh-huh. that's what I love about the London games is that, man, like I'm, I wake up like during the weekends, I typically wake up at like, yeah, like nine or 10 o'clock a little bit later. And I love watching a football game right before all the, the entire NFL slate is on. It's pretty cool watching a game in the morning. And so I don't want a team there at all, but I wouldn't, I would like to see more games there, like not an actual team there, but more games there because living on the East coast, uh, it's great to watch. It's great to watch football at 10 in the morning, but, but, uh, it'd be, it'd be cool to be on the West coast for, for people who live there because they can actually get up at 10 in the morning and watch an entire slate of games. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's just a, just something I want. I just, I like, I like getting up at 10 in the morning and watch, watching a football game and not just one, the occasional like Falcons jets game that we had last year, but more of like every week or, or maybe one, one game every week. Maybe that's too much, but I'd like more of it. Yeah. But not an actual team. Game. No, <laughs> I don't know if they would unfair. get that far, but we do get four games in Europe this year uh, with three okay, in London and one in Munich. Good. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of opportunities and I, I agree. I like having that one game start at nine 30 and kind of ease into the rest of the day with that one. And I guess one comment, NFL Europe did exist in the 90s into the early 2000s. I remember Madden 2003 having all these European teams as an option and be like, what is this? It didn't really take off. It was kind of similar to a lot of the other startup leagues we've seen over the years, like the USFL and the XFL, where it just kind of existed. I think it had a few seasons, but it, it did not compare. And if they had the winner of that play, the winner of the Super Bowl, I can't imagine it being an entertaining game at all <laughs> for anyone watching. All right. So the last question here, as someone who's never been to Europe, like I'm sure some of our listeners, what advice would you give to any of us before our potential first trip to Europe? So um, I have four pieces of advice for you. I've been to Europe twice. I'm certainly no expert, uh, but I have a few things I can say. One is consider the languages that you can speak and whether they will be enough in the countries you're traveling to. I talked about Greece being very welcoming to monolinguistic Americans. So it was a perfect place. If you've never been and you're worried about that, Greece is a place where you don't have to worry about it. You might have to worry about it in France. So, uh, you know, when I, when I went to Paris, Definitely got some like uh, rude remarks from Parisians who uh, figured out that I was American. And in French or in English? In French, and like okay. specifically going to restaurants where I couldn't read the menu and I didn't know w- what to say, and it was definitely not as well received as I was in Greece. Uh, you know, and that's the, no hate to the Parisians. That's just how they do things. So it's important to consider that. Luckily, I was staying at a hostel. We made friends with a German girl who spoke French, and she basically did all the speaking for us. But absent that, we would have been in a tough spot. So mm-hmm. uh, I, my advice is, you know, make sure you're considering the languages. At the very least, learn a few words that will help you get around, you know, like how to 
like ask for the bathroom hello goodbye thank you those are all probably good ones to learn bonjour bonjour yeah in in uh and also exit in french is sortie uh so that's what the sign says i'm sure that's not how they say it but that's how they phonetically spell it so when you're trying to get out of their subway you can find the sortie sign and that'll get you back to the street. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's good to know because Paris is like one of those cities that I would love to go to. I talked about it after watching Ratatouille. I was like, I want to go to Paris and eat French food. And, uh, <laughs> it sounds like I'd have a hard time with it. So. Well, and that's, again, that was just my experience, but uh, you know, Parisians famously are a little bit hostile to Americans. Um, my exactly. second piece of advice, make sure you have contactless payment via credit card. This was not the case when I went in 2017, but this last time that I went, pretty much every single thing I did could be paid for with contactless. And that's like the preferred method. Even the subways in Stockholm had a contactless payment where you could just scan your credit card and you could get on the, without even getting a ticket. Like you just go straight credit card um, to get in and out. So that is uh, something you should definitely have. It, it makes it so much easier. Not to mention, you don't have to convert your money. Like I, mm. I, I didn't go to a currency exchange in Sweden. I just used a credit card the whole time and didn't have to pay to convert my money. So definitely something to have. Uh, number three, um, th- and, and this really kind of goes with my number four, but give yourself time to just vibe. You don't have to plan out every single minute of your trip. You're not going to be able to do it all. Um, so g- leave, like plan to have open time because not only will you not have the energy to do everything every single minute, you also might find something that you didn't know you wanted to do and you want to have space to, to be able to fill that. Uh, like we didn't actually plan to do afternoon tea until we got there and we had the time to put that in because we had left open space. Um, and then, you know, kind of with that, don't put too much pressure on yourself to do it all. There will always be someone who will tell you that you missed out on something that they would have done when if they had visited that country and that's good for them you should do what you want so it's uh as uh, i i feel like i that that kind of was my experience after the first time i went to europe with other people being like you didn't do this that you then your trip doesn't count you actually haven't been but there's so much to do and you should do the things that you enjoy uh you know make the trip your own yeah, I think I feel like three and four really apply to anywhere, not just Europe. But yeah. obviously, there's so much stuff to do, like so many places to go that uh, Europe, it's easy to feel like, oh, I need to do well, everything. Especially because be that trip, I mean, I, maybe it's just because I'm still dealing with the jet lag, but it feels like a real <laughs> commitment to go uh, over there. And it feels like you have to make the most of every moment. But yeah. it's just like, you know, it's just like any other place. Mm hmm. Yeah, so my list isn't going to be as good as Ben's. One thing I took uh, took away from Ben's list, contactless paying, that's a great advice because the one time I went, I had a lot of cash, converted cash, which is how I use most of my money. And I think it'd be smarter to use contactless payment if I were to ever go back again. So that's great advice. One thing that similar, the same thing from Ben's list, uh, but like Corey said, you is advice for really just anywhere, not just here, but anywhere is yeah, just just I'm not someone that wants to plan out every little detail like oh uh, two o'clock we gotta go here, three o'clock we go here. You know, just kind of just gonna go with the flow or or vibe. I I, I agree with that advice. Uh, one thing I do remember that 
really worked out poorly for me the one time I went to Europe was my phone died a lot. So my advice is to always charge your phone, which again is something you could say about any vacation you go to, but it happened a lot when I went there. It died all the time. That is a really good point, Brian. In fact, um, I had a similar issue last time I went. So this time I bought a battery case for my phone and the case could charge my phone like three and a half times roughly. So mm-hmm. I never had that problem. Also, I have Verizon Wireless and definitely getting paid to say this. I'm sure other wireless places offer this as well. But I didn't even have to get a new SIM card. I, I just signed up on their website for European coverage. And it was like, there's a few different packages, but it wasn't that expensive uh, to have internet while I was there, which really helped because, you know, I was using GPS and texting people yeah, and it, stuff so you can't have your phone die when you're especially in europe because you want to take pictures but yeah you also yeah you maybe need gps or you need to google something on on yeah like where to go or uh, places to eat or shop or whatever google translate yeah I, google translate i would yeah, say another thing. even though it's not that hard to find wi-fi i think it was definitely worth it to purchase in like the cell phone service out there so is part of the issue with that also just that the outlets are different and it's harder to charge your phone or was it just uh, like, how did your phone die so often? Oh, uh, I think I still had Samsung then. Well, you, I, I didn't, I didn't have a, you said you went in 2016. Yeah. And I still uh, had Samsung oh, then. Or Pokemon Android. Go was huge back then, Corey. Everybody's phone was dying. Oh yeah, you're right. That was it. You're just playing too much Pokemon Go. Like, oh, whoops, my phone's dead. <laughs> I didn't play Pokemon <laughs> Go, but, 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 uh, I don't know why it died a lot, but it did. Like the dra- the battery just drained all the time. And so, yeah, that, that's definitely a big advice. Well, it's just, sure it's scary to be phoneless in a different country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I get that. I guess exactly. I'm just wondering if it's user error or just like a common <laughs> thing that happens to people. <laughs> I think it was just the phone I had at the time and it okay. just pissed me off a lot. And gotcha. I guess the other thing is, yeah, try as much food as possible because Ben had a whole list of Mediterranean food that he tried. I will say this um, though, like I, I mentioned fish and chips earlier. I think British cuisine is mid. Like yeah, I, 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 I ate, uh, I ate burgers in, uh, in England because I was like, I'm not going to hold myself to only eating British cuisine here. Like I, I'm oh, just well, eating food. It doesn't look appetizing. <laughs> like the idea of an English breakfast, I've seen it so many times and it just looks, why would you eat that every day? <laughs> I did so. have what? a traditional English breakfast and I had beans on yeah. toast and I was surprised oh, by yeah. how much I enjoyed it, but I'm a big legume okay. guy. Like I yeah, love. I guess I'm not a huge beans guy, so that might yeah. be part of it. The black pudding was not good. Um, they okay. at least the time I had bacon twice, and both times it was really rubbery. Like they, uh, I like it a little bit crunchier. But yeah, that's the thing. They don't hang their hat on their cuisine. I mean, every region of the world has their local dishes, but um, it's no Greece. It's certainly no Greece. Yes. Uh-huh. So, I, well, that's yeah, the thing. It seems like there's a lot of great European places to get food. That it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's disappointing that that Britain just it's fish and chips and. Well, the great yeah, thing it, is they have all that stuff in London. Like they have all uh, the different cultures. In fact, oh, which makes sense. Yes, Nando's. Uh, I will say that. Uh, I which I know yeah. that they have like two in North America or something. But it's a like when you go to London, you got to get Nando's. Okay. It's probably really unfair, but like I said, when I went on the trip we also went to italy and i enjoyed the food in italy much much more Uh than the uk because the pizza is amazing the gelato is amazing and all kinds of pasta of course too is the food there is really incredible 
yeah. uh, compared to compared to the UK. At least I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Italian food. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Like Italy is like the place I'd want to go just because of the food. So. Oh yeah, I would. I would want to go back. Like if yeah. I were, if I were to make a bucket list of places I would want to travel to, I would literally put Italy again, yes. <laughs> even though yeah. I've already been. Yeah. So it, I was, was supposed to go days. in 2020. I was gonna go to Rome right. and other parts of Italy. Gonna go to Munich for Oktoberfest. Gonna go to Prague, uh, visit the homeland for a couple of days, and oh you know, COVID happened, and I have no idea when that trip will actually happen at this point. Hey, sorry uh, to brutal. flex on you yeah. like this, Corey. <laughs> no, it, it's okay. It was like I love the concept of going at some point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it just keeps getting pushed further and further down the road. And I don't know, we'll see. I, I do think I need to go one of these days, but I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I will say, I, I think it, it still feels a little ambitious to, to travel outside the country, but I know you guys have both done it this year. So it, if, and you know, I know Brian obviously didn't, uh, but that could have happened anywhere, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, but that was the worst timing ever. <laughs> These and that, that is, I know that is my uh, that is my big concern. It's because <laughs> I mean, well, Ben went to Mexico as well, so yeah, like yeah. You, you've gone out a few times now. And mm-hmm. um, well, I'll, yeah. I'll say, I mean, just as far as like COVID stuff goes, like I, I know, mm-hmm. you know, nobody knows exactly where we're at, but yeah, no COVID restrictions, no issues with COVID, uh, at mm-hmm. least in the countries I went to. So I, I'm like so relieved now that i'm back that yeah oh, I'm none sure. of that mattered like nothing that's why i didn't take this trip last year and uh-huh. um you know we were very fortunate to uh get through all of our travel with, with no covid complications yeah for sure i know and i i do want to get to that point soon um where i i don't think that i have to be like nervous about being stuck somewhere like brian was because that, that sounded really horrible and I, I hate that it happened to you <laughs> it was terrible uh because at the time i don't i don't think it's re- requirement now but you were required to have a negative test before yeah. you could yeah get it's not a requirement anymore and you had to be on a video chat and and you put the you put the COVID stick right up your nose, and you gotta show that you're really doing it in in front of somebody uh-huh. uh, for full proof. And it's just like like Becky, please be negative. <laughs> I want to get the hell out of here now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was a fun way to uh, wrap up this this episode with uh, some talk about Europe. Hopefully, uh, some informative things or just really fun conversation uh hearing about your trip and i'm sure that our listeners can hear more about your travels not just to europe but to other places uh in the u.s before you have to be back in south carolina permanently uh, on affable chat of course so yeah, that's right. Um, is this where I'm doing my plug? Uh, yeah, go yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the sabbatical continues, so we're not doing our regular upload schedule right now, but we will be back uh, once things return to normal for me. And, um, you know, Apple Chat, we're reviewing movies weekly and also talking to interesting people. Uh, so check us out wherever you get He's Done It. And, um, you know, we're going to be back on that whole thing. And also Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Apple Chat. Check us out on Tuesday nights. Uh, talking about uh, next time I'm I'm live, which will be in September. I'm going to be recapping this whole trip with pictures. So if you're curious, okay. uh, come check us out. So, but yeah, yeah. definitely want to want to do that. So, 
Um, very excited to hear more because I just had a lot of fun talking about this. This is first just the part. beginning. It's crazy to think exactly just the beginning. You're not even halfway over at this point. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So for our special guest host, Benjamin Carlson, my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.